170 other Reptile Gumbo podcasts. My brain went blank for a second because in my mind it says that we don't have enough storage on our on the website that we stream from, but it doesn't matter because I recorded all on here. Uh, and so I, I wondered what you were hesitating for, but I, yeah, no, I, I wasn't really paying that close of attention. My, so my brain went blank for a second, but I'm here. <laughs> it is episode 170, and and we are one co-host short. We as, are. As, he lost track of time. He's like. He's working, working hard. Working like, and stuff. I don't know what that's like during the summer. Losers. That You've been work. working today. <laughs> did, don't remind me. That did suck. I got out of the bed at a decent time today. Way to go. Yeah. I didn't get out of bed till 3.30 yesterday afternoon. Um, I don't remember ever doing that in my entire life. So it was pretty fabulous. Robert will be here shortly, though, I think. I think when he's done with what he's working on. So I was trying to figure out how you were used to taking up time, and I was trying to figure out how to save space on here. Oh, well. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and get to sponsors. Since yeah, Robert's not so here, Robert's can... on here, but if you're looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for all types of snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit lsreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks and place your order today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do, I'll do like 15 things And time. like I said, he got caught up He lost track of time He said he had his headphones in So I'm sure he's either listening to his audiobook Or he's listening to a podcast But he's not listening to us And totally just lost track of time <laughs> uh, Little Shop of Horrors The small feeder and pet supply business Based in San Antonio And they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio As well as other neighboring towns and cities they offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents, too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Definitely, if you're in that area and need feeder rodents, check out uh, Little Shop of Horrors. If you need uh, feeder insects, check out Little Shop of Horrors. They can get those shipped to you across the country. So, L-I-L apostrophe S, Shop of Horrors. Don't go searching Little Shop of Horrors. Lil's Shop of Horrors. You me? I had the song in my head from the musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every time you say it, I get Little Shop of Horror stuck in my head. Seattle side exotic said I, they thought I hated Canadians. I don't hate Canadians. I just love making fun of Canadians. We have Canadians and family on my well, side. Well, on her side, not my side. My side stays out of <laughs> Canada. That's another thing. You just don't know how to pronounce your country. It's Canada. If you're Canadians, it's Canada. <laughs> Gotta be. Uh, look, Nathan Katz made it on time. Way to go, Nathan. I'm, we're, we're proud of you and Erica McVeigh. Erica McVeigh was early. All right. So this past weekend. What? Her- I just said Erica McVeigh and I've still got. Okay, go. I was going to do. We've we've got lots of sponsors to get through. So come on. Calm down. <laughs> uh, if you if you need a great LED UVB light bulb or I saw they had uh, their little bags for packaging up snakes. If you need little bags for snakes. If you need any of the smart uh, devices that they sell. Check out VivTech products and use code GUMBO22 to save 15% on your VivTech order. Uh, please do that because that, help. that helps us out too. But they're great products, so go get your light bulbs. Mm-hmm. Am I good? Doing? Well, I mean, you, you left off a pretty big sponsor. Because I, I haven't got to them. Oh, well, my bad, man. Chill. It's a pretty important weekend, James. Uh, I don't know why. We're celebrating the whole month of June. Uh, you're celebrating the month of yes! June. Yes. Six I'm days, man. Just living through Six it. days. 
Uh, anyways, <laughs> so Herp's Reptile Shows. They just we don't have Robert here. Robert was at the Herb Show this past weekend. I know. And Lake Charles, but coming up is the big one in Conroe, June tenth and eleventh. And yep. apparently June twelfth is important. June twelfth is important. It's my own personal holiday. It's Katie's birthday on Monday. Uh. So this is her birthday weekend. We're in Conroe, June tenth and eleventh. You're in the area. If you want to come to a Herb Show, this is the one to come to. Come on down to Conroe, Texas. It's gonna be crazy. And then they are over to Shreveport, Louisiana, June twenty fourth and twenty fifth. That is a new location. Check that one out. That used to be the uh the why can I never remember Longview? Jesus Christ, <laughs> you have trouble with that. Every I always time. forget Longview. That was the Longview show, but it got moved to Shreveport for now. Go check it out, see how that is. Mm-hmm. Then, if you're looking for another big show, the Slidell show is July 22nd, 23rd. That's always a good one down in Slidell, Louisiana. Then, up to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, July 29th and 30th. Then, down to Corpus Christi, Texas, August 12th, 13th. Then, back over to Bryan College Station, August 19th and 20th. Then, we go back to Conroe. Uh, it feels like almost no time passes between the two. Or back in Conroe, September 9th and 10th. Mm-hmm. And then the Baton Rouge show, which is the second time that show will have happened. Right? Mm-hmm. That is September yes. 16th and 17th. Uh, there have been other reptile shows in the Baton Rouge area, but none as good as this one. So that is September 16th and 17th. Yes. Then way out to Waco, Texas, October 21st, 22nd. Then back to Lake Charles, November 4th and 5th. It's, uh, it's my mom's birthday weekend, in case we're just counting throwing out birthday weekends. That is. Uh, then West Monroe. This is a new location. This was the Pearland show. We had issues down here with the, the venue for now. Uh, so West Monroe, Louisiana, which is nowhere near Pearland. If you're like, oh, I'm going to replace. It's nowhere near there. West Monroe, Louisiana, November 18th and 19th. Austin, Texas, December 2nd and 3rd. Man, I put, I put way up here. Okay. Slide to hell, Louisiana. I was going to say, normally you I only know. do like three weeks I, in I advance. You were just like, bam, gave me way more of them. for the rest Louisiana. of the year. Slide to hell, Louisiana, December 9th and 10th. Oklahoma City, January 6th and 7th. I'm into, we're not going into January. I'm into the January. I'm into the future. You're done. Uh, and then back to Longview, Texas. <laughs> oh my God, January James, 20th, you're done. 21st. And then uh, this is the last one. Connor for your ben birthday. Connor for my birthday, January twenty seventh, twenty eighth. That was. Oh, this will actually fall on your birthday this year. Last one did. No, it didn't. Your birthday was on a Monday last time. I don't remember. I do. I don't. It's another year in the calendar. But uh, that was just by chance that the last one happened to be my birthday. But it's a good chance, January twenty seventh, twenty eighth. It's always so. There's always a Conroe around your show, a Conroe around your birthday, Conroe around my birthday, and then the New Orleans show, which I guess now is Baton Rouge. In March is normally Joe's birthday. Oh yeah, yes. There's a New Orleans show. Mm -hmm. It's the Slidell show. No, no, no. No, I know they moved it. Gonzalez. Yeah, but there used to be Slidell and New Orleans, and and they were so close to each other. The New Orleans one was Joe's birthday weekend. So now that weekend normally falls to Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge doesn't smell as bad as New Orleans, so that's fine. Very true. I've never walked through Baton Rouge going, man, this place smells like urine and beer. I mean, I'm sure parts of it do on certain game days. Well, gets game days. That that is true. (laughs) That's That's just Louisiana in general on a game day. Uh, Going around. I don't have Robert ask any questions, see how things are going. But around here, not much. Uh, My baby bows have all eaten at least once. I know the, the show in Lake Charles, we were supposed to go, and I woke up that morning... Physically ill because of a migraine. Well, and then I woke up that morning. Uh, what's the broke? That's what it was. And gas costs money. So, <laughs> it does. So we stayed home. We did. It was it was a good lazy day though. We enjoyed it. I rested a lot of the day with an ice pack on my head, and the migraine finally went away. And by like three thirty that afternoon, I no longer felt I like saw, puking. So that was nice. I saw its picture. It was a very busy show. At a, least people through the door. There uh, were a lot of people through the sales, doors. For it looks like sales fluctuated, but people through the door. Of that show was packed because they haven't been there in years. I know. Uh, so that was good. 
Um, but, yeah. but that's good. So we've got people to see it the first time and maybe the next time they're back in Lake Charles, they'll be like, oh, hey, this is really happening. And then they'll they'll come to buy. Yes. Also, go so. check out on Facebook our friends at Repticulture. Uh, they did not have a, a good. They had a rough days. weekend. Um, their shop flooded from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So that sucked. Completely beyond their control. And then, uh, unfortunately, Joe came home from the show and lost one of his favorite snakes, which all of us that have owned enough snakes know that sometimes you show up and they're just dead. They, they were they were fine two days ago. They were eating and they were wonderful, and then they just die. Um, but he had, uh, I want to say it was his retic, his calatoa retic. I want to say that's the one that died, unfortunately, and I, I felt horrible for him. So go check out Repticulture for any of your uh, reptile needs, especially if you're in the Houston area, but you can also shop online. So help them out. Uh Old sea anal sides asking how the ball python eggs are doing. We talked about those last night. Uh, so they look like shit. Absolutely. Oh, I said it. They are shriveled up like old man balls. We'll get some pictures. We'll take some uh, pictures for y'all. But they're pearly white old man balls. So I haven't taken them out of the incubator. We haven't touched them. I tried to candle them last night. There's still veins and some dark areas. It looks like snakes are growing. But the problem is there's not a lot of room in there because the eggs are pretty, pretty wrinkled. So unless they're going to like plump back up. They're not. Uh, I don't, I, don't really I, I have no hopes for live babies, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's not an issue of humidity cause I've kept the humidity pretty high in there. Um, I don't know. Knock on wood. There's no mold. There's no mold. So that's awesome. But you know, I'm not overly heartbroken. We weren't planning for them. And then that's five babies. We have to figure out what we're going to do well, with that. They're also ball pythons. <laughs> uh, so I'm not horrified. If Your they... daughter was excited though. But you know what? I, right afterwards, I had a whole litter of boas and those are way more exciting because boas do all the work and I just take all the the joy afterwards. Yeah. You've got some sand boas that are coming soon. Um, no. Uh, I got a rosy boa that's pregnant. Rosy boa. Just kidding. It's not the same thing. I knew it was something small. Uh, I've already tried putting damp paper towel on them. I've tried, I've tried every trick um, and uh, it's not working. But again, they're still pearly white and I still see uh, veins. Sorry, Paul. I can't be a great ball python breeder like you. I, I apologize. I, who knows? They may still hatch. I may still get ball pythons and have to. I'm telling you, it's going to happen the day we leave to go to camp if while they, you're If they all make it, it will more than double the amount of ball pythons I own. Mm-hmm. So. The, the MBK the, or the, the speckled. The, the speckled king will eat well. Oh, yeah. The MBK may get. The speckled king is the one that tends to get all the babies because she's, she's a bigger, garbage disposal. great. Uh, anyways, let's go ahead and bring our guest in. Yeah. Let me sure I don't mess up her name. Uh, our guest is Adrian. Ashley Dezan from Northern Lights Reptile Imports. He practiced so <laughs> hello, hard. Hello. I did. I didn't know. Really <laughs> I knew I would. I knew I'd met. Names. It's not that hard. It's oh, but you don't hard. know. For it's, him, it is. I can definitely do it. I can definitely do it. It's okay. Not many people got my name right really in my life either with school and all that. So Yeah, I was pretty awesome. I married a Lewis, and that one's kind of hard to mess oh. up. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I went to having like a pretty basic name. It's pretty great. <laughs> See anal side exotics said I'm just a shit ball python breeder. Isn't that all ball python breeder? <laughs> I don't know where the fork is. Oh, I should have brought Whoa. the fork. Erica, <gasps> I don't know what you and Ashley have going on, but <laughs> I mean a sexy fork. James has a spoon that he fights people for. Is but that I've kind of the same it, thing? I've never said it's sexy. You've never called it sexy before, but you do get pissed when you can't find no, the we spoon. No, we have one good spoon. We do not have one good spoon. We have a drawer full of good no, spoons. No, we have a drawer full of spoons. <laughs> we have one good spoon. It's heavier. It feels good. It's a good spoon. And then y'all decide to use it and leave me with the shit spoons. Goodness gracious. It's a very well-traveled fork. I think I saw pictures of this fork on Facebook. Yeah. You did see okay. the pictures of the fork. 
<laughs> oh, oh, look, you saw something on Facebook I didn't see. What do you mm. Are you it's, friends it's with Erica on Facebook? I am friends with Erica. I don't, I don't know. You must not be good enough friends if you don't see the fork. I apparently missed it. <laughs> it, uh, has, it has been traveling back and forth. Old Seattle side asks, Ashley, how you doing? You vending the 25th. I feel like there's punctuation and words missing there. How you do it. How you do it. How you do it. That's that you're from Canada. It's not it's how you doing. And you gotta put A after that. You've How you doing A. A. You always have to have the A. It's so important. Oh my gosh. But yes, I am fending that show. It's gonna be pretty shitty. <laughs> what show is I it? Don't, it's just a it's right before it imports, so I don't have a whole lot like oh, okay. extravagant. Oh, so it'll so. be shitty because you don't have a lot of stuff to bring, not that the show in general yeah, is a vendors, shitty show. Oh, the other yeah, vendors yeah, yeah. there are garbage. Yeah. If she doesn't have good stuff to bring, well, that's the whole what it sounded like. Shitty. It sounded like the show she's going to is like a really crap no, show, and I'm it like, is pretty good. It's oh, pretty good. okay, let's let's just go right for it then. Everyone, everyone else there is garbage. I didn't know. I don't know. That's pretty all right. Uh, so to let everybody know, where are you located? I am in Ontario, Canada. Gross. Um, like south, south, south east. Canadians. Southeast I don't know Ontario. My- I had to think about that one for a second. My- but yeah, Southeast Ontario. Um, live in the middle of nowhere. It's great. I love it. I had relatives that lived in Winnipeg for a while, but when he retired, I don't. They moved somewhere else in Canada. Name random places in Canada. No, 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 no. That's no, no. a big country. I don't know where they moved when he retired, though. Nova yeah. Scotia, maybe. You're just naming places up there. No. Just, just say it's the place. It's gonna snow. bug me. Oh, I that, don't remember. It was that Canadian place where it snows? There's so much snow. Yeah. <laughs> Just all of Yeah, Canada, my aunt and uncle you know? don't stay up there when it snows. They travel to warm places because he's retired now, and that's what they do. <laughs> I don't want to live in the north of my own country. I'm not going to live up there in that country. Yeah. Hey, our summers are freaking awesome. Our winters just suck. Yeah, that's summers are nice. Summers down here are not so much. No, I'll pass. I do. I'll tell you that. I, I want to go to one place, one part of the year. I want to go to Manitoba. Yeah. I just want to Why? go see. I want to go see the garter snakes. I guess I the can smell. See that. <laughs> I've heard that the smell alone it can't is be like good. It can't be worth good. going. It's garter snakes. One garter snake smells bad. I can only imagine a million garter snakes. And you were making fun of me because I wanted to go smell the corpse. You're flower. not going to be washing that off for a few showers. Yeah, but I still. Wanna, <laughs> Dave Kaufman posted his video. He, he was in there several years ago, and then he went back this year. Ah, oh, how I feel about the corpse flower. No one wants to see a corpse flower. They're awesome looking. It's not a million garter snakes coming out and fucking. Smell horrific. It's one flower. It's beautiful. Not millions of garter snakes fucking. It's it's the it's most true. it's the most amazing natural porn session ever. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, and then you get the males that come out, and the males that come out late will smell like females. So the other males try to fuck them and warm them up, and then they can try and fuck the females. Okay, that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. For a snake that smells horrible. So that's my one part of Canada I want to go see. I just got to go do it at some point. I'll, I'll add it to the list of places to go. And then I got to find a moose and get some maple syrup. Maple syrup is an easy one. We've gotten it's some lovely. in the mail. Well, we got, got those candies, those too. From Brandon um, Millichamp got me those uh, Brandon, maple. Yeah, Brandon Millichamp sent us the they maple were like, candies. Yes. Those are disgusting. They I'm were sorry. pretty good. They were They're amazing. Disgusting. That's why I now have and diabetes. And maple cookies. Real maple syrup, though, I can live off that shit. He sent us maple syrup in a can. That's the best. It was <laughs> maple syrup in the can. 
is the best maple syrup you could possibly It was have. good. I just have a problem yeah. with y'all putting milk in bags. It was just so much sugar. I just have a problem with milk. I'm not a milk person, but yes, it's in a bag. It's in a bag. And you then get- you have to, a separate container just to put the bag in. Yeah. You know what? Those containers are really good, too, for substrate. <laughs> That's true. Just saying. There's one, saying they're one great use. shovels. Amazing shovels. I, just, I love them. So milk bags. It's a... It's what they do, man. Fucking can I, what? So, Why? fun fact about our milk bags. <laughs> I used to live in the States. That sounds dirty, by the way. And and it does. It about really milk bags. Does. I swear oh, we're not talking so about great. breasts this time. Oh, oh my God. God. Well, I mean, it's from a cow's breast. But, you know. Yeah, but you're not buying. You're not buying their milk bags. No, no, it's it's processed milk bags. But it, milk in the states. Like I lived in the states for a good chunk of my uh, childhood, and I could not drink milk from the states at all. In Canada, no issues. I don't know if it's a bag or the container difference. It's because ours is better. I'm sure, this house. But if it was better, then it wouldn't murder me. Yeah, this is could, fact. Could. I, we I don't, don't buy don't regular milk. Milk may have good. We don't buy regular milk in this house for That's me. True. We, have to buy we buy lactose free milk for me. So weirdo. Yeah. No bag milk all the way. Bag milk, just such a. <laughs> Another thing that Brandon Milchan tried to tell me on was ketchup chips. That's fucking gross. We have they're... those here. We do have them here, and they're not and they're, good. I don't like them. No. They're like a mix of vinegar, salt and vinegar chips with tomato paste. That sounds horrible. And I love salt and vinegar, yeah. but I'm like, I don't I get that. It's a it's a kid thing. Only kids like it. I used to. Not anymore. So if Brandon Millichamp hears this, I need you to know that she's calling you a kid. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a full grown man, but I'm I, I totally support you being called a kid for your ketchup chips. Thanks for moving oh, Luna, gosh. by the way. Oh yeah. So uh, I just want to go up there and see a moose. You do not want to see a moose. I want to see a moose. I mean, I don't want to see a moose up close. I'm not like those fucking idiots that go to Yellowstone and go, hey, look, a buffalo, and then poke it. Like those fuckers. I love the- <laughs> you, want, you want to be inside a house and be no, like, oh, look, there's a moose like a in the front like yard. 100 yards from a moose. Go, there's a moose. Yeah, no, you don't want to be 100 yards from that. No, 100 yards, I'm good. No, you'll, you'll still no. get- no, You'll see a moose one time in your life and only one time. Because it'll kill you. Not, not for a hundred yards if it's just walking. No. It's not the same as like going up and slapping a moose on the butt. No. There are cops right around on moose. That's That's got to be factual. That is not factual. Don't double check that. I swear no. it's true. No. Dudley Do-Right rides a horse. Eh, it's a moose. He's a Canadian. <laughs> They're all a bunch of Mounties riding m- mooses and drinking no. maple syrup. And eating ketchup chips. Oh, my God. Are so we what, done talking about her being so in Canada? That's so what Canal Side Exotics tell me. Are, are we done? Hey, Canada's cool shit, okay? <laughs> And I can say this with confidence because I lived in the States for 13 years. Look, the only thing y'all have... where in the States, though. <laughs> the only thing y'all have that bothers me is that y'all can have uh, Fiji banded iguanas and we can't. Yes, we could. It's bullshit. But they're so overrated. I disagree. Honestly. I want one. <laughs> Our zoo just got some. And when we saw them when we were there last week and he freaked out in the reptile house like people were staring they're better than regular iguanas <gasps> that, are. I agree. that is a fact they would make amazing pets for people that want a green iguana in lieu of absolutely but it's just their price tag scares people away because they're cool but they breed like rabbits so, so. Uh-huh. Just, yeah they breed like crazy it's Damn. just no one wants them because they're like $1,600 and it's unfortunate because people are like, ooh, 
See, what's funny, funny, you know, what's funny is if, if you brought them, if they could legally be brought here right now and they're like, hey, guys, we're going to bring them to the U.S., but they're $1,600. You'd have people paying $1,600 left and right to own a Fiji banded iguana. I probably, yeah, you are probably correct. What is Nathan? She can't say otherwise because that would be hate speech, hate therefore speech. illegal, and she would be arrested. Canal Side Exotic said that last year a buddy of theirs got their femur broken by a moose while they were snowboarding. Snowmobiling. Well, that was the first problem. They were out in the snow. (laughs) Uh, I don't do snow. Or sand. Snow is great to visit. Like, I feel like every time someone in the South is like, oh, God, I wish I lived somewhere where there's snow. They don't know what it's like to live in snow. And think about shoveling snow and driving through snow. Because, like... We don't know how to drive through snow down here because we don't have it. And that's why every time Correct. it snows, the North's like, oh, look at what y'all don't know how to handle snow. No, we don't have salt or like trucks. We don't have the stuff for snow. I don't want to fucking shovel snow. I don't want to wake up early just to go shovel my driveway. I don't <laughs> like to wake up early for anything. That sounds horrible. That sounds horrible to have to get up, put on like five layers of clothes, look like the kid from a Christmas story, <laughs> waddle my ass out there. And shovel the driveway and then fall over like a turtle and can't get up. I don't want to do that. But would it you, ain't that bad. Would you be the one shoveling bad. the driveway or would it be me? I'm not allergic to snow. I can shovel the driveway. It's grass that I can't be around. That's true. That's true. Hey, I could actually use that excuse. I'm allergic. To snow? The cold. The cold? Legit. That's Legit. So Google it. It's a thing. To be allergic. <laughs> I, would, I like cold. I just don't like snow. Yep. Yeah, because that's why you snow have is um, snow is amazing. Snow is absolutely amazing. The cold is not. I think snow is great to visit. Yeah, it's wonderful to visit. And then I come back to my non-snow covered roads. Yeah, that's not fair. So let's get into talking about. Uh, the, <laughs> say we're twenty minutes in I, and I'm totally off topic. The evil world of imports. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Goodness. I'm just kidding. Uh, I do want to go through. So ask a couple questions. I want to go through our first yeah. question first, and then we will get into it. But I want to see what. Other people's thought about imports are first, and then we'll talk about uh, actual imports. So before you get into that, though, there are different laws for Canada versus the United States. Yeah, that's how that works. It's a different country. But well, and because like you said, like she can have Fiji iguanas, we can't. Yeah. So. But they don't don't suck as much as like Australia where you can't own shit. Like where there's no. They can still own anything. anything. There's there's no importing period. No, they just complain because things cost more. Okay. Yeah, no, they, they've got all the... Y'all got all the, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that y'all don't have that everybody else has. Like, there's nothing... <laughs> See, she can't either. It's just Fiji's. Yeah, they, just, they get to have Fiji's and we don't for some stupid fucking reason. Um, the only other thing I could think of with the role reverse is that you guys have turtles and tortoises for the uh, most that's part. Right. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You can. Yeah. And we can't import turtles and tortoises because of salmonella. <laughs> Just tell people not to lick a turtle. It's not Simmons. that hard. Literally. That well, is the sole reason. Well, you can go with the, the the way that we do the law here, and it's you can't own turtles under four. Or you can't sell turtles. Under, under three inches. Three inches? I think it's three four inches. Four inches. One of them. Uh, Unless to, it's for educational purposes. To try and solve that issue, the salmonella issue. Yeah. Like, here, it's, it's uh, you can't sell them under two inches, like for already captive bred stuff that's up here. But uh, past that, yeah, we can't get anything new or fun, unfortunately. I guess it's good for people not having them. A whole bunch of people getting cheap sulcatas and then putting them outside in the snow and shooting those stupid I was just videos. about to say, they wouldn't do well outside where there, you are. There'd be like two months of the year where they could roam. There's Maybe. still sulcatas that come in, unfortunately. It's, but, uh... Canada's definitely rarely. not sulcata friendly. No. 
definitely not. It's purely you have to have like a, a year round, uh, like a t- tortoise house, I guess. I almost said turtle house, makes not a turtle. Tortoise house. It technically is go. a turtle. It is. No. All, all, all tortoises, tortoises are, turtles, are turtles, but, but not, not all turtles, turtles are not tortoises. Are tortoises. That's what it, I, I hear this all the time. Just saying. Canals yep. Exotic said it's like 120 down here. It does get to 120, but we have air conditioning. I think hey, it gets like to like 90 up here. Yeah, we have, it we does have, still get to 110. We have air conditioning. We're good. We don't go mm. out in the summer. So, uh, said, Ashley is great, though. I got a bunch of hognose snakes from her a few years back. That's awesome. I, I feel terrible. <laughs> get those drama queen snakes to try to eat everything. Yeah. No, I just, so many customers, I don't know who. <laughs> yeah, see, Canal Thought Exotics, you're not important. Oh my God, James. That's what she just said. She said, thanks for the money, loser. No, James. That's what I heard. Was that I just, oh. Just so many people to deal with. That's what it felt like. Uh, okay, so back to, back to the evil underground of imports. Uh, so when you yes. think imported reptiles, what comes to mind? And so there were several good answers here. We'll go through them real quick, and then we'll get into uh, some misconception stuff, and then some obvious things that are not misconceptions. They're just it's a tricky business. Imports, if there's a good way to do it, and there's a lot of people doing it the wrong way. But what are you doing? I was I accidentally hit my microphone, but then I was trying to see what was on your screen because I didn't bring my laptop with me. You have to pay attention today. Yeah. Oh no. I know. Uh, Louis Patoi, who is our sponsor over there at Lil's uh, Shop of Horse says, without them, we wouldn't have a lot of stuff that we do have, which is true. Which is true. I think a lot of people forget that uh, everything started as an import at some point. I say everything. And if you own corn snakes, they didn't start as an import. So, but uh, hey, they did in Canada. They did for you guys. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Humphrey said, for our personal collection, it means new bloodlines and some species that don't breed well, if at all, in captivity. But for animals that are intended to be resale, it means longer quarantine times and extra precautions. Proper labeling and representation of any species, whether it's captive or import, should always be done to give buyers the right knowledge they need for proper care and expectations, which will be something we will get into because I see a lot of that where it doesn't happen. Uh, our friend Danielle said, the nicest snake I own, her Halmahera ground boa. Great dude, but normally I think parasites and all uh, all of the gravid Solomon Island ground boas that come in at shows and those dudes with 300 species on their tables. Uh, yes. Yes, there's. we'll get that too. That, unfortunately, is the negative side. Uh, Travis Wyman, Dr. Travis Wyman, so you can feel special. Uh, everything we have in the hobby originally came from the wild. That is just a simple fact for those that want to work with obscure species, like he likes weird-ass stuff. Wild-caught imports are pretty much the only option, and almost all people working with obscure species are, caught, are doing it uh, to try and establish healthy, viable, captive-bred babies. For those that work with commonly available species or the new to the hobby... Uh, there are more than enough captive bred babies to sustain them, and they should not be going looking for imports just because they are trying to save a buck, which I agree in some cases. Um, getting to that, too. That said, we all know the majority of this hobby does everything as cheaply as possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no lies there. That is true as well. That is true as well. Our friend Robin Williamson said that her big tegu was an import. She got him at three months old, never had an issue. I wonder if he's an import or if he's a Florida import. Like, I wonder if he's like he's a South American import. Mean like a Florida import. Because there's tegus in in Florida. Oh, so if he's like a wild caught from Florida? Or if he's a wild caught actually import from South America. Mm, I can message her. I wonder that one. Because 
Oh, and now you can't take anything out of Florida. God forbid you try to remove the stuff that didn't belong. I mean, there. now you can't, but no. then you probably, they I don't know up, how old he is. They get upset if you try to remove the things that aren't supposed to be there. Uh, man, some of these are long answers. Send her a message. I'm trying to skip through some of the, I feel bad if I skip through the long ones. Let me come back to them later. But uh, uh, Brian McDowell said that Dan Mulary does it legit and right way for business and for the animal. He is one of the larger name importers. That is true. Uh, person said new genetics from nice breeders or parasites and disease-ridden wild caught. There is no in-between. We will ask Ashley about that in a second. Uh, we see bigger gene pool, new genetics. Another person said sick reptiles being sold to unsuspecting families. Um, yeah, that is that is the negative side of this. And another one for DM exotics as well. So, Ashley, how yes. do you feel about selling horribly sick imported animals to these poor... <sighs> unsuspecting victims i mean people i am satan spawn i <laughs> i'm sorry everybody but everything you get is just gonna melt away and just cry in sadness in a corner it's pretty terrible <laughs> no oh god jokes aside when it comes to i i very much avoid that and if and when a seller wants to like be a jerk like not none of my people i deal with but like if someone has their own seller or whatever and i just import on their behalf occasionally i see some less than ideal things and when that happens i inform the buyers immediately i keep them back i have an on-call vet that i deal with over the phone and her and i have a very good relationship and everything gets dealt with here at home with me before anything gets sent back out so there's several steps to this whole process. So let's, uh, yeah. I guess first we'll focus on the, the animals are here already yes. and we're selling them to general public, right? The, uh, I guess most people's experience with an importer, quote unquote importer, uh, even if they're not the actual person that truly imported the animal, but they are a, a reseller at a show that's selling imported animals. A lot now, of people's. So which one of those are you though? Like you're actually the one getting the animals sent to them, right? So you broke up for about three seconds. I feel like I like missed the most important okay. part. So, <laughs> so we're talking about the most people are familiar with when they go to a show, seeing someone yes. selling wholesale animals, and they're yeah. not always dealing with the wholesaler as much as they're dealing with the reseller of wholesales that they've gotten, right? And so, uh, yeah. and then Katie's asking, which one are you? Are you okay. the person getting them in? Are you the person selling them? I I think so you're both, right? So I'm, I will go through that entire process. Okay. The way Canada works and the U.S. works are two very different things when it comes to imports. Um, oh, I need to prop myself up a little bit here. I feel like I'm sinking. <laughs> so in the States, how it generally works, you have your import-export license. Let's say I was in there in the States doing this. And then I would have to contact a broker to bring them in. And then I have a big warehouse or whatever, potentially, let's say. And I resell them to the public of people that sell imports. So that is mostly how the States works. Not everybody. I know very few amazing humans in the States that do their own direct shipments. But the majority of these so-called import resellers do buy from the wholesale people. Yeah, these are the folks that they get in a giant box from the airport. And then they just ran, they give, they sell a bag of this or sell a box of this to a guy who's going to go to a show, open yes. that box up, throw it on a table. And then sell this very thin, dehydrated exactly. animal. Gotcha. So okay. that's prevalent both in the States and Europe. So that's how it works mostly everywhere. However, in Canada, I have my import-export license. I am also my own broker. So I do everything start to finish. And I have the animals in my hand the entire time. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't have to wait that extra day. I don't have to wait for extra inspection with fish and wildlife. It's just okay. I'm at the airport. I'm getting them. I am doing my own import process and I go home. So it's depending how much it is like customs wants to be a pain or whatever. It could be anywhere from an hour to four hours. Sometimes I'll get flagged for random inspection, which is fine. That happens. You just want to make sure everything's still legal and fine. And I wait a few extra hours, but I always get the animals right away after. So with that, how I work, it's a little bit of everything. Like you said, I am mostly, I mostly consider myself a broker. So I have like animals, for example, listed on my website, but these animals are never just coming in. I am selling them on behalf of trusted, well-referred sellers and breeders I've been working with for a long time in Europe. And with that, they always like send me a list of things I'll have available before my next shipment. They ask if I can post it for them. So I do. So I make up some sales for them. And I basically just broker the sale for them and the buyer. And the buyer will pay me everything, whatever. I send all that money to the seller right before import. And basically my fees end up being like my profit side of it or just the service of the import. Yeah, and like I'll bring some stuff in for myself for resale, like for expos and stuff as well. But for the most part, I'm just the the broker for people. Or if they find their own animals, are more than welcome just to let me know, and I import them as well for them. So, are you mostly selling uh, captive bred imported stuff, or are you also getting wild caught shipments of import stuff also? So, as a general idea, I'd say ninety percent of my shipments are captive born and bred. Um. I do wild caught on occasion, but I'm very picky with it. Like extremely picky. I'm not no get them in a box, slap them at a table at the expo. And Oh, it's, it's dead and stinky. You know, like yeah. I don't do that. So anytime wild caught comes in, I am very particular to who they go to. Um, generally I try to make those a completely different shipment just to avoid any potential cross contamination, whatever, but I'll get to that part in a second. Um, most imports I bring in on commission from this, the European importer. I don't do the wild caught imports myself. I refuse to, Yeah, I will not do it. So i have a trusted friend in Europe or two that do it on my behalf, I guess. Like he'll get some stuff. I'll get some stuff. I bring them in. I treat them for mites. I, if I need to, I treat them for internal parasites. I make sure they're eating, make sure they look healthy before they go. But that's like 10% of what I actually do. Most of it is captive born and bred. So Darren Watson in the chat said, is there competition amongst brokers? Is, are, Not understanding the question. Do, do you, uh, I guess are, is are there, there a lot of competition, I guess for business amongst brokers? Are, are, are you, are there many of them in Canada or is it a very, um, I it's just a very small group, right? Yeah. So there's basically three of us here in Canada. I'm the only one that does uh, European stuff. The other two do us and Canada. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that makes it easy. Yep. So yeah, a lot of folks, especially I know in the States, when we think is we think expos and go into shows and we think imports, we are thinking the, I've mentioned before on here, the, you know, sunbeam snakes are a big one or a lot of yep. uh, uh, in- Indonesia imports, especially like, like I mentioned the thing, the Solomon Island ground bow is in so many times over here. Uh, pregnant. There was someone a couple of years ago that bought one, took it home, and then had fifty babies thrown. You know, came from this pregnant Solomon Island tree bow. And and the biggest problem is you wonder how many of those fifty actually survive because we're not set up here really to feed Solomon Island ground boa babies. If anybody's ever seen one, they are really fucking small, and they don't eat mice. 
Yeah, I have a lot of house geckos or annuls ready for those guys. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of us see that at shows. We see the people that they did. They got a box of whatever. They brought it home, uh, opened it up. Or they may not brought it home. They may have brought it straight to the show and put it in tubs. And they're selling these animals. And they are selling them for much cheaper uh, yeah. in many cases because they're trying to get rid of it before it dies. It, it, exactly. It's, in a lot of cases, that they're trying to get rid of it before it dies on their table and dies in their care. You know, they don't want to lose money. Um, so it's it's a it's a completely different world from what you're doing. You're you're already kind of set up for I say set up for success because you know you're going to get in stuff that is definitely healthier or should be. Oh yeah, it should be. Like, I always expect everything to be really well. I guess in good health, they're just well off. That's what I was trying to say. But there's always the odd one that just they don't take to shipping well for whatever reason. It's just the individual, right? Sometimes that just happens, especially if they're on the younger side. Um, but I always make sure I'm ready for those kind of situations or any emergencies. Like I have um, saline on hand for sub Q uh, injection for instant hydration if it's ever required. Yeah. Once in a while, it's usually just wild caught stuff that really need that kind of thing. But there's the odd rare time where I've had like super sensitive anoles come in and they were just on a trip from. I don't know, Spain all the way to Germany, then Germany to here. And that could take a toll on them sometimes if they're not packed up properly from a newer seller. So once they arrive, I immediately get on their case and treat them, make sure they're good and hydrated. They always have very nice plant, like the anoles in this case, they'll have a very nice planted terrarium. They don't just stay in a container. They don't go in something barren. It's they, I make sure they're comfortable. That's really awesome. Yeah. Do you find a lot of people when they see the word imports in your business name, uh, kind of looking at you negative or say negative things before they know that the way you are as an importer? Yeah. So funny story with that one. It's a kind of a spinoff of the import thing. So last expo, apparently a friend of mine overheard some people saying that I oil my snakes to make them look healthier and shiny. <laughs> so that's the trick. Oh, that's what I've been. Good to know. Good to know. Down. That's the trick. <laughs> it was like. I mean, it's lots of things funny. look shiny when is it, you oil is it baby them. oil or canola oil. I guess that is coconut. The, it's, it's coconut oil. Totally <clears throat> avocado oil, guys. Oh. Mm. Yeah, you got it. Forgot about that one. Yep, but I totally oil my snakes to make them look healthier because they're imports. <laughs> we have a jar of coconut oil. So that's what for the uh, she's gonna wipe them down. What? <laughs> when I sell, it's really good for your dogs once, if they have allergies. Once my boas are ready to sell, I'm just gonna wipe them down with coconut oil. Yeah, that's what we should get some extra good lighting and the whole yeah. nine. And Maybe get a picture of they some, smell delicious. Of some yeah. sand and a little beach umbrella behind them. And- that's what we used for our, our old dog that we had who had really bad skin issues with uh, oh, yeah. like a food allergy. When we figured out it was food allergy, we switched the food. Everything got better. But in that couple of months where we were waiting for hair to grow back, uh, our vet suggested coconut oil. And basically you would just put it on the little bald spots and it kept him from scratching everything. So. And that's why snakes are extra shiny. That's yep. why they have the extra keratin growing on it. That's hilarious. <laughs> Who would have known? That's, you learn something new every day. Right. Oh. Um, so yeah. we're gonna have to add that to our list of things that are just completely random. Lather my snake down with coconut oil. Yep. He enjoys it. it I enjoy it. It's good for both <laughs> I was of us. Waiting for you to say something. Oh man. Um, oh God. <laughs> Now I'm just stuck on lathering snakes with coconut oil. So again, uh, yeah, you normally when people hear the word importer, they're, they're automatically thinking sick animals. And I don't think a lot of people yeah. think about the fact of importing uh, captive bred stuff because there's a lot of stuff yeah. in Europe that we can't get. Like the one thing that drives me nuts over here is our inability to have green sanzinia. 
But like in Europe, mm. there's tons of green sanzinia in Europe. I'm like, yeah, what that is. It's we have that problem here too. Oh, okay, I know what really. that is. Yeah, yeah we have. Well, the... Go ahead. I'm no, married sorry. into the hobby, so I'm like, ah, uh, fair yeah, enough. I don't always know I, what everything is. I really want some green sanzinians here, but we we can have sighties one animals, but it's a very difficult process. So we don't have sanzinians up here. Which sucks because down here you can find folks that have the uh, the mandarin, which makes them sound more fun. I just like to call them the ugly ones. They uh, are. They, I saw them last last Tinley show. They're everywhere. They're fucking they're ugly. Everywhere. Like I don't I was get so surprised. And when someone goes, I like the way mandarins look. I I, I just have to think like this person has horrible taste. Because if your option is that or a green, I don't. It's not even close. I agree. But apparently in Europe, they <laughs> apparently in Europe they don't have mandarins. They have greens. And I'm like, how the fuck does that work? Like we can ship things back and forth. How's no one but been not like those guys? Oh. Yeah, it's which is funny because like Madagascar is one of those places that randomly will open up its borders and they'll ship everything fucking out except for apparently Sanzinia. Well, it's because they're on Appendix One in CITES, that's why. So until they hit Appendix Two, it's never gonna happen. But it, it's crazy that they're that they're they're the issue because you hear about it that over there there's there's tons of them in Madagascar. I say tons of yeah. them, but but they're not super rare to find in Madagascar. But they'll, they'll ship out hognose left and right from Madagascar when the borders open. Because you can always tell when the borders open here because you're like, oh, look at all the giant hognoses that are available for sale. Yep. <laughs> That's true. You know, That's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's, but again, I don't think people think about the, the things that are bred in Europe, especially over here. We don't tend to think of the reptile hobby in Europe. I know the higher end people do because they're dealing in shipments from like ham and stuff and breeders. But yeah. The general person doesn't tend to think of the reptile hobby and really in a different country. I think a yeah. lot of us tend to think of it in our country, in our bubble, and then we forget that the rest of the world does it, and then and they also <laughs> breed and do the same things that we do. It's true. It's true. I used to be that same bubble, but it wasn't for very long. Like I realized import, like importing was a thing when I was 16. So is that how young? 16? Is that when you first started importing stuff? Oh, God, no. Uh, when, <laughs> when did you start? Um... I was 24. Oh, the ripe old age of 24. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 24. So how do, okay. And we don't, we don't want to do like the, like the whole background. How do you do this? But how do you get into that? It's just a, such a weird thing to, for me to wrap my mind around because it's so easy for the regular person to go to a show and like buy a ball python from a person they're talking to, but to get yep. hooked up between, cause there's so much paperwork and logistics and, and legality issues for shipping things from across an ocean, how to get it to you. how did yep. you get started in that? Ah, so it's, uh, it's a story. So I'm just going to go before importing story. So it makes sense. I have never been one for boas or ball pythons or, or corn snakes. I had to be that unfortunate child that, Oh, I like this mangrove snake. Oh, this vine snake's really cool. Really wish shit would bite me. <sighs> <That'd be great. laughs> I was just saying you like the bitey ones. I do. She's I like, really do. I'd really like the stuff that bites and that happens to be venomous, but there is no anti-venom, and we just have to hope that I don't get bitten. Oh Pretty gosh. much. <laughs> so when I was like 16, I was like, I need a mangrove snake. Like By then, I had an Asian vine. I had a mock viper. If anyone knows, it's not a true viper. It's a mock viper. It's a, it's a colubrid. It's a rear fan colubrid. They're really cool. They're like this big. Um, I had some weird agamas, and I had one boa, but I really wanted a mangrove snake, and being in Canada, we are so far behind 
in the industry up until recently where it was just leopard geckos, crested geckos, ball pythons, but was around and around to go, you know, same things. So I was like, how do I get a mangrove snake? And I was going through forums for hours on end. I was running into these like German websites and everything. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. So a friend of mine just happened to be like, Oh, I know someone with a mangrove snake. And it recently came in from Europe. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Got it. Whatever. A few years later, I discovered there was a mangrove snake called a Palilo mangrove. And they're the ones that are blue and yellow and black. Oh, that's cool. Absolutely stunning. And this was back in 2013. And I was like, I need this so badly. How do I get it? And by then, that's when like Facebook was kind of around, like slowly getting more popular. And I was in some groups and I saw someone post a picture of one in a trash can. Like just for a bin photo, you know, it was in a garbage can. It's a big female. And I was like, I need this. So I contacted the person, asked if it was available. He's like, yes. So I'm like, I'm going to buy it. I had no idea I was going to get it back, but I'm going to buy it. We'll worry about <laughs> and, the logistics of this later. Yeah. Right now we need to know that this belongs to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was like, do you mind uh, holding her for a little bit until I figure out how to get her to Canada? He's like, yeah, no problem. And I could uh, give you a name of a couple of people that could maybe help you. I was like, okay, cool. So talking to these people and for they took the snake in because they were okay to hold her versus the other seller because he wanted to make space. And they're like, oh, a Russian friend of mine just produced the first generation of these. Would you like a pair? And I'm like, okay, why not? So now I had these three snakes I didn't know how to get. And they found a broker in Europe that I'm not going to name because he's a horrible human. Um, and basically they hooked me up with him at the time it was great at at the time and so I asked a few friends if they want to get on the ship if there's anything they want from here so from there on we I just I got the animals in this was 2015 yeah 2015 I think and then from there I started doing shipments twice a year with just friends just to get an idea of how it works and what to do and then by, I would say, 2018, I was doing it in terms of work and just taking orders from people and still learning the laws. It's ever-changing. But it basically just started with me getting trying to get three snakes and having a few friends in on to help split the cost of the freaks, how expensive it was. Yeah, I can only imagine shipping, yeah. shipping from across an ocean. It's got to be expensive. It's not cheap. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> But yeah, that's basically how the ball got rolling. So my taste for ridiculous snakes. Have you found things that you were able to import originally, where laws have changed and now you can't do, or they're harder to do? Oh, absolutely, or it's a lot harder. So one thing I always keep a close eye on are the CITES appendix because every year, sometimes twice a year, they have amendment changes. Sometimes things go onto CITES, something sometimes things go off CITES, or they change appendix. So that's something I was to be very careful about. So, for example, the recent change were um, a lot of Australian species, like blue tongues, even our yeah. very common northern blue tongues. They went from non-cites to Appendix 3, which Appendix 3 is at the end of the world, but still a very much of a headache process. So stuff like that, it's just a lot less coming through. Now, Like it still happens. Like I can get 
the 73 Australian stuff through. Well, there's a magic portal just... in Germany. <laughs> magic portal. There's always the, the, the magic <laughs> Australia portal in Germany where things magically show up and they make it the way. That's like when you so... see melanistic blue tongues pop up in the United States, you're like, well, those weren't here originally. Right? So there's, I, I have the answer for that. People always assume it's Europe. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's Hong Kong. Ah, the, they move the magic yeah. portal to Hong Kong. It travels. It travels. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of people that want like blue tongues and whatever else, it's usually through Hong Kong. So, I mean, Europe gets them too. They buy from Hong Kong, but yeah. it's literally no different than the States. People just say, oh, Europe's a smuggling country. No, it's not. It's literally no different than the States. It's no different than Canada. In Europe, the only reason why people think that is because they're much... I don't want to use the word advanced, but ball pythons, crested geckos, leopard geckos, they, they're not really a thing in Europe. Like they are there, but they focus more on the oddball species. They like having big displays, big zoological type facilities. So anything that is rare and uncommon in North America is common in Europe because that's what they prefer to work with. Gotcha. So you just see them much more frequently in Europe and people just assume, Oh, they must've smuggled all those in. It's like, no, they're just years ahead of us and knowing the species. Erica says she doesn't think that part of smuggling has really changed since the seventies. And they've gotten better at it. I mean, people can, unless you're, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, what's his name that had the, I keep saying I started the one with the, uh, the leucistic boas, uh, stone. Oh, yeah. With the, uh, his sister and his pregnant Jeremy. belly, Jeremy Stone, Jeremy. and his sister with the pregnant belly. That that's always always my favorite smuggling story. That worked, and then the dumbass was like, "Hey, Reptiles Magazine wants to do an article. Let me put this illegal snake on the cover of Reptiles Magazine because I'm a moron." Yeah, like I definitely don't encourage anything like that to happen. But it, you know what? It's, it's it happens unfortunately everywhere. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not even an animal. It doesn't have to be an animal. People smuggle cars. Yeah, you know it's. Well, the, it doesn't matter what it is. The changing on a CITES list has to get annoying when it's something that's already a set-up population in captivity, and you're wanting to ship captive-bred animals from captive-bred animals, but now because they got put on a list because of the wild animals, they're harder to ship. Yeah, and it's pretty ironic because I often wonder, why are ball pythons on CITES, you know? Because they're so <laughs> rare in captivity. Exactly. Sorry. I just found a piece of metal on the floor. Well, that's good. So you it's step not. on that. It's, uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so there's like there's some things on CITES. I'm just like, why? And they, I don't know how CITES does their things sometimes. Like they have countries basically make their, I guess, a proposal to what they think should be on the CITES appendix. Then they have a big meeting. And then they're like, oh, okay, let's do this, this, and this. We all agree on it. And there you go. Most of the time, it's for the worse. Sometimes it's for the better. So it's it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> that's uh, for sure. Especially when you need new blood for a species that's already pretty. Uh, what's the word? Pretty inbred. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I was trying to think of a nicer word. <laughs> like, There's yes. no nicer There's word. Not. There's yeah. not. I mean, kudos. That's to already you for limited trying. in the gene pool. Yeah. There you but, go. It's uh, already limited in the gene pool. Whose heads are now rounder than they used to be, and their eyes don't look the way they're supposed to. You yeah, know, exactly. Like bearded dragons. Our bearded oh, yeah. dragons don't look like wild bearded dragons in the slightest. No. Uh, they really don't. Yeah, the sightings is weird. Like, so I've got a Louisiana, I've got two Louisiana pine snakes, and they're a, a, a protected sightings animal. 
Are they, are they in danger, at least here? They can't. I can't go across they're, state. They're on your ESA list. Yeah. It's not state ESA. But, that, but that's another one. Like, they put them on a list. I get it. They're rare in nature. But yeah. no one's fucking catching them in nature because we can't. Because you can't find them either. So, like, let people own them and breed them and have them in the hobby. And no one's going to go search for them in nature because it's a pain in the ass to try and find one yeah. in the wild. Don't make it harder to breed and sell them in captivity. Which Provide just- proof of captive bred everything and you're good like if you show prove it that they're breeding and laying and they have eggs yeah it's, there you go because here you have to for me to sell out of state i've got to have a permit they've got to have a permit and to get the like if it's just somebody who just wants one it seems ridiculous for them to have to get a permit. i don't know the whole process yeah. i find weird uh for a snake that it, it's not no one's out there hunting them in the wild. There's no huge hunting parties for Louisiana pine snakes in their small little one section of forest they live in. Yeah. So Erica McVeigh's post made me think about it. Uh, there was that book I read. Um, Lizard I, King. The Lizard King. Yeah. I actually read it on our honeymoon on the drive down to Florida. Uh, but it was a, a lot about the smuggling and the 70s and 80s. Yeah, and- it's about people now who are older who want to pretend like they're innocent and yeah. They're really fucking There's up. a lot of really big names in that book, and I'm just like, oh, I recognize this name. <laughs> there, there's one name in that book that I find ironic all the time when he posts online now about how uh, imports they've, and smuggling. They and the- maybe they've changed their ways. Yeah, fuck it, it is true. Like they could have, they could be rehabilitated, James. He's not. <laughs> he's not. So no, I mean, he's it's been older. almost 14 years since I've read the book, but it was a great book. I enjoyed it. I yeah, mean, it's. it's- I've read it a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, it was a necessity. A lot, again, a lot of these species aren't. Look, again, going back to bearded dragons, well, legally shouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, based on when <laughs> they... They are. Yeah. Actually. Well, well just the a lot of stuff out of Australia. <laughs> yes. Legally yes. should not be here in the numbers they are here. But yeah, there's there's a bearded dragons were one of the few that were legally exported before the law went into effect. Were they? Because I've always yeah. heard that the law went into effect before large well before we got most of them. I would imagine there's, I mean, there's been a lot of exporting of them through magical portals since then. But yeah, it's magical portals, Katie. It's the only way you can explain solid black oh blue tongue skinks in the United States. Magical portals. Oh my gosh! Because I remember seeing the first one. In Australia, and then like a few years later, seeing it in the United States, magical portal. That's funny. So, I want to go to our other question because it does tie into that. Our other question was: if you were going to buy any imported reptile, what would it be, and why? And and there were a few on here that were Australian. They were like, I want Australian stuff because we can't fucking get Australian stuff. Uh, so I want to go through some of these, uh, and then we'll get into. If you import any of these, but obviously if you import them, you're importing them from captive bred populations for the most part. But uh, Ashley Howdy said fresh uh, super dwarf retic blood. Hmm. So that's still, well, I don't know if that's still possible now that we can't because they're retics and we can't bring anything. I don't think we can bring new retics into the States because of. Well, that's a good question. Well, yeah, I don't remember if we can. Now. I don't know. Well, because of everything going on in Florida. Well, that's but the, well, we squashed the at one point we won. That one keeps going back and forth. So I don't know. I don't know how don't that goes. Know. Uh, Lee Reddy said chameleons. Of course, he wants chameleons of all species. Uh, but we look for top quality imported locality specific animals. So that just is a lot of that is going to be if Madagascar is actually shipping things out or not. Um, which again, regime changes. 
Uh, Ryan Cox said Europlatus fimbriatus because no one breeds them in the U.S. That's surprising. Huh. That'd be an interesting one. Those are cool ones. Uh, Drew, Drew Schultz. Yeah, Drew Schultz, you can keep dreaming on this one. Parentes. <laughs> Not fucking coming. So Hey, there's one in the States, though. There's one in, like, was it that zoo in Montana or somewhere up there? The reptile. Ty Parks has one. So how did oh, that Ty happen? Park, there may be two things. I want to say there's a zoo, there's a one of the reptile zoos in somewhere up in like the mid north has. So how did that happen then? The hey. Magical portals. Well, they could have had so, zoo stock out of Europe. So if you have your AZA or here is the cat or Casa, you basically can legally do importations from like Australia or the Philippines as long as both parties can legally export and you have a proper paperwork. So the plus side with that in the States, you guys can still deal with the private sector. Up here, we cannot with the AZA, our version of the AZA. Gotcha. gotcha. So at least these perennies, if they were legally imported into the States, at least private sector might have a potential to get them. Perennies would be cool. are cool. Lizard. Uh, what I'm hearing is when when... There's a chance when uh, he gets if his, Drew, be AZA, Drew is AZA. Yeah, there's also a price tag that comes with them just because you're uh, <laughs> AZA doesn't mean you can just get it. Um, Ryan McVeigh said Varanus Olive. I'm not going to. I'm going to fuck Olivaceous. Whatever that one is. <laughs> it's a lizard. I know that. It's a monitor. That's about as far as I can go from the genus. But. Uh, Jason Milarovic said he'd go for Corn Island boas since there doesn't seem to be anyone breeding them any longer. I regret holding off on getting some when they were more readily available. That happens a lot with stuff. What's a um, Corn Island boa? It's an island boa species. It's a smaller boa, like red tail. Okay. But like, you, know, you have Hog there's Island. There's some in Canada. Of course there are. There's, yeah, there's some in Canada. Not many, but there are some. My friend that just recently left, he's getting a pair from a friend of his yeah, very they're, soon. They're just another island boa. So they're going to be, I say, I I'm afraid to use the word dwarf, but they are. They're a smaller uh, imperator uh, species. Yeah. Um, but that happens a lot. There's a lot of things. And we'll get there's some on this list that kind of went through that process of they were very common 30 years ago. And because they weren't ball pythons, bearded dragons, or cresties, they're not that common now. Exactly it. Uh, it's unfortunate, but. It happens to the hobby. like it. But now the those animals, if you do have them, you can get a pretty penny for them because they're expensive because no one has them when they were like. $40 animals before. Uh, Daniel Cruz said, uh, Candoya, uh, she's but uh, I don't want to get one of those feeding on rodents. She's, I don't want to get one of those feeding on rodents. Oh, she doesn't want to go through the process of feeding, getting them to feed on rodents. So she said, probably Russian rat snake or Central American dwarf boa. Those you don't have to worry about imports. You can find a Central American dwarf boa. Easy peas. Cheap. Uh, it'll probably bite you, but you can find them. Uh, Russian rat snakes may be a little harder, but I'm sure they're out there. Uh, oh, Russian rats. I know someone that has some in the States. See, Danielle, so just reach out. You can get your Russian rat. Uh, Talk to Josh Alder. There you go. <laughs> um, I had to look up the name because I forgot. I was going to say Lori. I knew Lori Trini's name and my brain went blank. Lori, because she posted under behavior education. But she said uh, Liasis, which is another one, Liasis Savuinensis. Or Savu pythons. Yeah. Uh, that's another one. That, that, that falls into that group of, they were really fucking cheap at one point. And no one wanted them. And now no one has them. And people want them. And they're more expensive this, now. Yeah, the silvers especially are super nice. I yeah. love them. They, uh, she it's, said, 
uh, because they're endangered and I'm working on a theoretical SSP proposal for the species and it would be helpful to obtain the genome sequence of the species and test for heterozygosity in the wild population to see if a viable managed population could be established for conservation breeding that would preserve 90% of the founder genetics for at least 200 years. It's a lot of words, Lori, for uh, you want a bitey snake out of Indonesia. <laughs> I mean, she knows what she wants. Or New Guinea. New Guinea. Are they in New Guinea? Hey, bitey and flighty snakes are cool. Yeah, no, I'm gonna pass. I'm not much for getting bit, but Sa- Savus Savus are cool. They're, they're cool looking python. Again, they were a dirt species 30 years ago, and they just a dirt python. It was cheap. You could get them. I saw Savus at pet stores, but you oh. won't find them floating around simple pet stores now. Uh, Jessica Wars said Hydrosaurus species and Chinese mm. water dragons. We're t- what's Hydrosaurus? What is Selfins? Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, specifically for setting up breeding groups, get as much genetic diversity as possible while they are still available for import. Water dragon, think, water dragon import is done, right? That's someone told me. Um, that. actually, in a weird sense, yes. Yeah. So they've only moved to Appendix Two on Sidi, so they're the same as boas and ball pythons and all that jazz. Uh, but the problem with the Chinese water dragon is it came out of Vietnam, and Vietnam doesn't do Sidi's. None of the import, I'm sorry, none of the exporters do CITES. So until an exporter decides to start doing CITES, I don't know if the government even has CITES going in Vietnam or not. Huh. But that's interesting. Basically, until that happens, you're not seeing any more wild caught, which I'm okay with that because, well, I don't think I have to explain that one. <laughs> I do wish that Chinese war <laughs> dragons were easier to get because they're a far better replacement for green iguanas. In a sense, but they still unfortunately fall under the same category of unfortunate care because of their cheap price. Yes, uh, but they are easier to set up than a six-foot pissed-off male iguana yes, that wants to kill. I will you. agree. I'll agree within within reason. I also I've like seen- Australian water dragons, which you can't get either. But yes, those are cool. really. What? I don't ever see Australian water dragons for sale. Oh God! Let's give it about three months. I never seen them. they're they're cool and I, I uh, interned at a zoo when I was in college I had Australian water dragons they're a cool looking water dragon oh they're they're amazing I usually probably get around fifty or so every year really Babies. oh yeah they're like this big they're I, so cute I never see them at shows uh, here's one that I I do wish we could get in as much as I've had bad luck with the species because mine hated me and I sold it but Antaresian morphs from Australia. Uh, mm. There are a ton of really cool Antaresian morphs, and it's a python that people can house in a smaller cage and still yeah. do a cool setup. Um, but, you know, technically we won't have them. Now, again, I still think they'll show up here eventually, but right now we can't have them. Uh, Allison also said Savus from Indonesia because they've gotten so rare and expensive in the States. Yeah, that's, again, people see Savus. Uh, Jason Moreau said, if I could, from Australia, I would definitely import some Strophorus. Those are those little geckos, aren't they? Those little weird yeah, They're geckos. cool spiny tail geckos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for some fresh bloodlines, I've seen a few here or there. Uh, Jack said, dwarf Burmese pythons for my collection. I have 1.2 captive bred animals, but some new blood is always good. Uh, dwarf berms, those would be cool. I know uh, Michael Pinnell had some dwarf berms this past year. And then uh, Joshua Stover said, anything from DM Exotics. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the U.S. and, and you think uh, imports, most people, people automatically think Dan Mullary. Uh, DM Exotics, that's the first place to go to. But, um, So yeah, that's that's the list. Again, there's several things there that are Australian that you're just like, yeah, well, sorry. Well, Strophur 
Tourists are doable, just not directly from Australia. Yeah. And they're one of the ones that recently went on the CITES uh, list. But I have successfully already exported some from Europe to Canada to the States. It's a very long process, but they've been legally exported. Are they the ones that so can shoot? Sh- Sorry? Are they the ones that can shoot stuff out of their tail? Yep. Weird. What do they shoot out of their tails? It's like gooey. It's a way to get away from things or try it's- to eat them. So it's I've not had, like the salt from marine iguana. No, 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 no. It's a no. So I've <laughs> had this happen to me once before. The very upset one. Um, it just came out of the shipping box. It was very upset with me, and they gape their mouth open. They stick their tail up, and if you just anger them the wrong way, like it's just this. It's like tree sap. That's like, the best way to explain it's like it. Little streamers that shoot out. Like, okay. You can, you can find video yeah. of it in slow mo. They, they waves and then just like comes. It's it's weird. It would make things not want to put their mouth around them. Obviously. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't smell nice. It, it actually smells pretty terrible. <laughs> Erica said butt shooters. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's, a, it's another one of those cool little geckos that there's, I think, like two species that I've seen in, in captivity. Oh, there's lots. There's like four or five. Really? I've seen, I know yeah. I've seen two of them. There, we were, when, last time we went to NARBC in Arlington, uh, I know some folks that got Strophurus, 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 ah, fuck it, you know what I'm talking about. You had it, strophurus. It's yep. strophurus. Strophurus. What? You look like you're having a stroke. It's Should I be concerned? You can't pronounce these words. Oh, God, no. That's I don't even I try. It's what I thought. Uh, so what do you focus on mostly for your collection-wise? Uh, do you breed any? Do you breed much, or is it mostly just doing import selling? Because do you have time to breed? So I have a very... I'm weird with everything. <laughs> so I don't keep many animals myself. Actually, I did a count earlier today. I'm not including my morning geckos in this count because they're morning geckos. Yeah. I have, I don't know how many, but besides them, I have like 10 reptiles to myself right now. But what I do, uh, I don't actively breed like most people. So what I do, I have species that I really, really enjoy. So unfortunately, they're always wild caught. Like we had the, this goes back to you talking Latin names. I can't, I don't know common names. Yeah. So I apologize in advance. I'm a Latin name person. Totally. Well, especially for so you, I mean, I think that's awesome well, that you can remember them all. Well, especially for her shipping in and out, things have to be written Latin on boxes and labels and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I have a uh, Chironia scurrilis. That's. They're, they're called like a waggler sepo or a fire snake, machete snake. I know that. And right. yeah, but these ones are like the bright red. They're gorgeous. She is this cage right here. And then most of my one, two, three, four, five. I have five pseudozenodon of three different species. That's not a word. You're making, you're making stuff up. They're, <laughs> they're called like the false bamboo snake or a big eyed bamboo or a false Chinese cobra. You might have heard that one before. Well, cool. But uh, I keep those guys. Everything I keep is more or less impossible for the average keeper. And the reason why I do that is to learn about the species. Because they're the type of animal that people want. They're like, oh, it's pretty. Let me buy it. Oh, it looks like a cobra. Let me yeah. buy it. But they die. There hasn't been a single... I'll try to use the common names. Uh, Chinese false cobra that have lived past a year to my knowledge in captivity within north america do we know why so this they're not kept properly so my longest lived one so far she's going on two years and the key is knowing exactly what you have to do as soon as you get them 
Gotcha. And people, I know this is so controversial, but the trick to it is you have to skip sterile quarantine process. I know that sounds really messed up, but there's some animals that are just so sensitive. Less stressful. That they go, exactly. They'll just die because they just came out of God knows where. Amazon forest, whatever, China, wherever they come from. And they get plopped in a box, put on the plane, shipped to God knows who, and, you know, like they've gone through a lot already. There's been little water, no food. And these animals are go figure the frog specialists. So they have a very fast metabolism. And by the time you get them, they're wasting away. So you have to, assuming they're in overall good health or not like disgusting in any shape, way or form, have a very mature planted enclosure ready for them to put them right into. So that way they're at home to the best of your ability, their stress levels reduce and fake plants and hides won't, that just, it doesn't cut it unfortunately, because you cannot get the proper husbandry that they need. Yeah. So in my case with these guys, what I do that had, I've had the most success with like daily care aside, um, they have to stay between 68 to 78 degrees they oh, cannot geez. go higher i have alarms that go off on my phone once it hits 81 degrees because that's getting near lethal for them oh wow so i could just yeah i could just go on my phone shut all the lights down and that's it so i have cork like half rounds that i bury about six of depending on the enclosure it's like three to six inches into the ground all the way to the bottom and I bury it in dirt. I add more dirt on top. I put plants all around it. So they have an option of always having the 68 degrees under the ground. That's very humid. And if they want to warm up, they could go to the, the 75, 78 degrees at the top. And people fail to do that for them. They just throw them, oh, room temperature. Oh, they need it cold. They still need the ambient gradient, I guess you could say. Well, And, and room- people... Will- Sorry, Sorry, room temperature is no, no. going to change depending on the house. I mean, we know people that keep their snake rooms 88 degrees. Fuck that. So, Fat like yeah. that snake would die in that temperature. Oh, absolutely. And people think, oh, they're from the rainforest. They are not. They're a temperate species. They need dry. So people think you have to spray them and keep their humidity like 80%. Like I keep mine at 40 to 60% humidity only. And if they want more humidity... They could go into their cool burrows where it's a lot more humid for them. So I have to give them all these different options and then they choose what they want and all is good. Well, it's like we talked about earlier about the sunbeam sinks. A lot of people get those and they bring them home and they set them up like a general snake. That thing just needs to live in a thing of moist dirt and it's going to go hide and that's it. You don't, you know, they'll see it at a show in a cup or even in a cage or whatever in a table with dry uh, cypress mulch. And it's just sitting there in a corner on dry cypress mulch. And they go, Oh, that's how I can do that. Yeah, you can. That's not how yep. it's supposed to be though. That is, that, that is literally a dirt snake. It just, you, you bought it to let it go hide in the mud. It's like, go do that. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, a, a clean cage with paper towels on it is not the way to set that snake up, especially since most of those are fresh imports anyways. Uh, they're yep. not, they're but not, in- People still have to be careful with that. Like, I know people, they might hear me say this, but, oh, I could just grab one and do that. It's like, no, there's so much more to it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, my last batch of pseudo-xenodon I got in, I, every day, uh, twice a day, actually, I was giving them subcutaneous 
injections of saline because of how dehydrated they were. They don't visually look it, but you look for the subtle things that you know causes dehydration, or sorry, that are symptoms of dehydration, like dimpled scales. They don't have the, the wrinkles going on the sides all the time, but dimpled scales are enough of a sign for me, like, you need water. But they won't drink standing water in a bowl. You need moving water for them because they like to be by the stream sides because they eat frogs. And so with that, I had to make sure they were drinking water, getting injection uh, twice a day. Like their immune system wasn't good enough to take whole foods. So they'd have to get slurry. Like I do like a very easy digestible slurry for them twice a day to get their weight up until they were comfortable enough to settle for a few days or a couple weeks. And then I'd start offering them food from there. So I'm almost afraid to ask, what is in the slurry that you're making? Is this, is this, I took a picture of what I found. So that is, that's a Pseudoxanodon macrops. They come in many different colors. That, that is really one pretty. I like red. I like- yeah. My, my one female I have, she's red, yellow, and black. That's awesome. She's so sweet. I love her. I love her to death. She's my longest living one. So what's in the slurry that you're giving them? Oh yeah. So it's a little strange, but it works really well. I, depending on the situation, I will do Pedialyte as the main liquid base for electrolytes, like plain Pedialyte. I get, um, it's actually a Royal Cannon, uh, easy digestive cat food, like the pate. Yeah. And then I will get, I don't know if this is the right word for, but like a very holistic, cat food i guess like all canned all wet foods but it's like just like one or two ingredients and that's it so i'll get either a chicken or duck usually i start with duck sometimes rabbit just because it's very high caloric content in it right you're not blendering right. your own frog i was just gonna say i was waiting on you to say like you have a oh, blender special for frogs so for the first week i give them this cat food blend of high calorie dense slurry to really get them going right they get their metabolism going but they're easily digesting it and then about week two or three while i'm still doing this i take bullfrog legs like the frozen oh, legs you could buy and you're injecting i'm assuming you're injecting the slurry down their throat yep okay yep depending on the size of the snake it'd be anywhere from one to three cc twice a day so Jeez. eventually i will start introducing bullfrog legs into it but i do have a freezer full of whole frogs that they get once they're ready to go onto their natural frog diet and they tend to take to frozen very quickly so it's, it's really not big of a problem would i do the slurry at week two or three if they're healthy enough i'll start doing internal worming that's one thing that's so important to do for frog specialists, especially, but never immediately. Otherwise, yeah. you kill a snake. Right. You we never had other worm your animals immediately. That. Yeah, the stress, <laughs> yeah. From, yeah. stress from everything going on and then pumping their gut full of this toxins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, intoxicating the animal, right? I, I vaguely so. remember somebody telling us. Like, if your snake is going to die within two days of you having it, it doesn't matter if you treat it for parasites those first two days. Like, give it a week to two weeks to get settled and yes. get eating, de-stress. hopefully, and to de-stress before you start putting medications yep. into its system. Exactly. So all these frog eaters are absolutely stunning, which is why it's the frog eaters. I don't know. I love them to death. People love them to death and impulse by them all the time. So ultimately what I keep is me trying to learn about them to teach the public what to do and what not to do if you do decide to get this animal. And 
that's actually what I do it for. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so it's much not more just work because. than I thought. It is. It's not just because, oh, they're cool. Like, I don't really sell my collection much. And if I do, like, people know what I keep, what I do, whatever. But just in case, on that off chance, like, everything stays here or close to me with people I trust. So, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Is this what you fun. do full time? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Darren asked, how do you decide what to import? And I guess that's two different sides. There's the side where you import things like we just talked about for yourself. Uh, I guess I want to tie into that. What is the most common thing you're importing for customers? It's always different. Oh, is it really? Okay. So it's not like, it's always different. So I actually do not import unless it's like a pet relocation. I don't import crested geckos. I don't import ball pythons. Once in a blue moon, I will for people. But I mostly import the weird, uncommon stuff for whatever coincidental reason, which is I'm fine with. That's my specialty more than anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's mostly the weird, funky, captive bred. Australian species are a big one. Um, garter snakes. Um, it's weird, weird, weird creatures. Like last import I've had, I had um, Peruvian monkey gnolls come in. I've had captive bred. Um, Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, Peruvian <laughs> monkey gnolls. I don't know if you'll get the proper. I'm just throwing a name out there, hoping that's what it is. Oh, that's cool looking. Wait, I've seen that before. Hold on, or I've seen something like that. That is cool. Hold on, let me find Peruvian bush gnoll might be a better one. Polychris Peruvianus is the Latin name. Okay, same pictures came up. That's a cool looking gnoll, bright green, all stripy. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So I've like little funky dudes come in like that, or. Broad-headed wood lizards are another one. They've got like the they've got like an iguana face going on. That's what their face well, reminds no, me of. It's like what uh, David at uh, Eclectic Reptiles, what he breeds those famous. Oh yeah, gnolls. It's in the same. It's in the group. same group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another one is uh, uh, the Amazon dwarf iguanas. These are all things I've never heard. I don't know. How, they're the <laughs> offbreds. Amazon. You don't really do lizards, though. That's true. They, they Amazon have, dwarf iguanas. They have legs and They're they eat cool. more often. That is really cool looking. Right. So I get like weird little funky dudes like that for the more of the specialized keepers. Um, I'm trying to think of funky snakes I get in. Do you find snakes are easier to mm. import than lizards? Or Yes way? and no. It really depends what it is. So... Another recent import I had, like I had eight, no, yeah, eight, eight lined kukri snakes come in. Oh, wow. Those were interesting to keep for a little while. I know what those are. Travis (laughs) Travis Wyman has kukri snakes. I'm like, oh, I know that name. (laughs) He he grabbed it. He got a few through me and uh, they were interesting. They were very different for a kukri snake. Not what I was used to. Uh, but feeding them is pretty interesting. Just quail eggs, and you beat it in a little yeah. bowl and stick it in. And he sent me videos of that kind of stuff. Yeah, weird ass yeah. snakes that slice you with their teeth. Yeah, oh, they suck. They are terrible. That's one little colubrid I am deathly afraid of getting bit by. Yeah, he got so. hit by one. I think a baby that he had hatched. Let I me mean, last year, the year before. But. Yeah, those it's are not nice. Those are weird ass little snakes. <laughs> yeah, I just figure but lizards those, are harder because the they usually have a faster metabolism. So you're talking about uh, the shipping. Yes and no. So in my case, the shipping is is very minimal. So when I do my imports, I actually avoid the ham shows the best I can because it's more stressful and longer career 
time for the animals. So I do it during the off season, I guess, because most exporters do it around the ham and Houghton shows, or sorry, the Houghton yeah. shows. But it's just you have a high theft rate. Um, oh, really? How many people are there's, there's so many people there? Like someone could swipe it, and you wouldn't even know. So that's an issue. Um, just the traveling, the heat of the shows while these animals are there, and just everything, right? So I usually do it a few weeks after the show. I have people take a few animals from the ham show, babysit them for the few weeks. So it's a little less stressful that way. And then I ship them over and it's only like an, an eight hour flight. That's it. So I get them and I set them all up here. Like right. only eight hours. Well, it's, it's not bad. I mean, considering well, you know, that it's, it's like, you know, I'm I mean, sure it's like 24 hours. Here, from, so yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like FedEx is a lot longer, for example, overnight shipping. Yeah. Yeah. So once everything's here, like I keep them for about a week to two weeks, like, make sure everyone's settled. They have water, they get fed. I don't ship anyone out immediately ever because that's just, that's not fair on the animal at all. So they stay with me. Um, unfortunately with snakes, I get the most pain in the ass species ever just because that's just what I do. <laughs> like baby mangrove snakes, like the whole genus Boega is what I really specialize in. And the babies really don't like to eat Yeah. until they're around a year old, sometimes younger. So sitting there for an hour assisting like twenty babies, it's it hurts my soul sometimes. So when you but, so someone orders in a, a baby boega, say a baby mangrove, and you get it, mm, do you take it upon yourself then to ha- put several meals into it, or do you just want to get one meal? In, or is it that person's job to that do is, that? That person's job completely to do that. Okay. When you're buying baby boega, you should just know they are being assisted. If you did your research, you know those babies are being assist fed. Gotcha. You'll be, it's just an extra bonus if they're already eating. Now, I've had many babies come in surprisingly eating, and I will always give them the opportunity first to eat with me. And what I do with that, like I'll have a pinky, and I have a bunch of like a frozen house geckos, way too many. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> I'll take like, I'll thaw a piece of the house gecko, I'll, I'll take the skin off it and wrap a pinky in it. And usually they get eating that way so they could eat themselves and I don't have to worry about it. But if I have extra stu- like stubborn ones, they do get a cis fed. It's just such a weird process to, yeah. ex- to explain to someone who's not a reptile person. I yeah. skin this small lizard and then I basically make a jacket for this baby mouse to wear. And so now yeah. I have a baby mouse wearing a, uh, a lizard jacket and then I feed this lizard jacketed mouse. Yeah, there's no way we'd own anything like that because that is too yeah. much. It's too I mean, much. it's... Once they're past that stage, like, and if you know what to feed them, what they like, it's within three, four feedings, they'll be pretty much switched over. Now, the weird part with those guys, once I have them eating, there's a very good chance if you ship them too soon and they're eating, they're going to revert and you have to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. See, there's one species I, I would, <laughs> if I could, if I had the time, there's one species that would probably have to go through that process that I would want to keep. And that's viper boas. You have fun with that. Because they're little lizard eaters when they hatch or are born, not hatch. I go back when they're born. Born. Yeah. Did we already uh, ask our two no, questions? No, I'm gonna. Get, okay. Well, we talked to Darren. Yeah, I'm gonna oh, get to yeah. Uh, So the Reddies over at Reddies Rainforest are asking about the chameleon community up there. Uh, I guess from an importing stance, and if you know anything about it at all, but how often do you import any chameleons? I mean, that's mostly coming. I avoid chameleons like the plague. <laughs> they're way too set. We used to, too. The Reddies are the reason we own this one panther chameleon. Because I said I'm never getting another chameleon, and then they talked me into it. He's freaking cool, (laughs) man. So keeping them isn't the issue. Sorry. It's 
the the shipping stress on them. Yes, I can see that. It's they're way like I've dealt with super fragile, sensitive species, but there's something about chameleons that they just they suck when it comes to shipping, and it's not fair for them. And I can't control how the seller in Europe, for example, is going to pack them. Well, and I've seen so many wild caught. And, and here, now they're not supposed to do it anymore, but here we'd get a lot of uh, caught out of Florida and then sold. So it's the same thing. It's a wild caught imported yeah. animal. It's just coming from Florida. Um, yeah. But you'd see it put it on the table. Someone buys it and then that person doesn't know shit about a chameleon. They just know chameleons change colors and I want it to look like my shirt, which is not how they fucking oh, work. Oh, God. Um, and then they just like, they'll walk around with the show with it on their head or on their shoulder. And this thing is just like solid black stressed out. And you're like, yeah, this is going to die. So I've never actually seen ours get any black on him. Cause he's not stressed. Oh, I know that. And I know that's a great thing. That means we're doing everything right. But, but even when I take some- him out now, he does huff at me and I do the little Amanda was like, just whenever he does that, just rub under his chin and he'll be fine. But and I've I do that and veiled, he settles down perfectly. I've seen some veiled, super dark at shows. That people are just walking around with that they just got off of a table, Ugh. and I'm like, that's that's the worst. Oh, it's it's. You bad. know what I just thought about? What his birthday's in six days too. That is true. We share a birthday. That was one of the reasons we got him. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I think it's cool that I share a birthday with my chameleon. Thank you very I much. I think that I think the Reddy's lied to you oh. to get you a chameleon. I don't care. <laughs> I think it was born in October. I have a or birth something. certificate, and it has my birthday on it. <laughs> Uh, Darren Watson says he's been running across a lot of captive bred uh, viper boas lately. That's cool. I imagine they're expensive. Captive bred baby viper boas are not cheap. Um, Interesting. And I'm interested. I'm wondering, are they the pretty ones? Are they the red ones? Because no, because a, I'm I've sure seen a lot of the shit brown black ones that. So I don't know if it's legit. Maybe I'm just talking on my ass. But aren't these sexually dimorphic to some degree? The males are brighter. I don't know. I don't know that. I could be to- totally lying. I'll Google I just it. Have that I idea imagine size-wise, they're probably sexually dimorphic, like many of the boas. Species. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but there's some species out there where the males are very visually different, even of snakes, but not always. I bought one once, and it was beautiful. It almost looked like a like a baby copperhead. It was red and orange, um, but it was an adult, and I just I didn't think about it. I wanted it, and it was obviously cheap, and it was on a reseller table, and it's definitely one of those like imported, quote unquote, farm raised viper boas. And it just starved to death on me. It would never eat. I tried everything. I tried lizards. I tried everything. It, could, it would never eat for me. Okay. So I'm done. I can't do them anymore because it makes me too sad to keep him in mud. So, Not literally mud, but yeah. lots of dirt. So in like six different websites, I have found that they are sexually dimorphic and that there is a geographic variation. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of yeah. islands and stuff over there. Um, yeah. but tw- in this, within the species of the... Well, it's like you look at the uh, the Solomon Island uh, ground boat. There's there's a ton of different types over there. Yeah. Uh, Darren said brown ones is what he's seen. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt ones. Because no one's selling red ones because those things are fucking amazing. Or the yellow ones are really nice too. Those are kind of cool too. I, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I have a weakness for bright red, super clean animals. Like if you can find some of those viper bows that are bright red. Now, there are some people that have gotten lucky that have gotten ones in their imports that are eating. And then once they shed their forest skin are fucking amazing underneath all that mud-covered, tannin-soaked skin. And they shut off, and they find out that they're actually red. They're not black. I've seen that before. They get this black viper boa. It sheds off that tannin-soaked shed on the outside, and it's pretty underneath. That would not be my luck. It would shed and still be shit brown and black. That's funny. But I want one so bad. They're such a cool-looking snake. If anybody's ever like, I want a venomous snake, just get that. It's like owning a little viper that won't kill you. But it will bite you. Oh, they bite a lot. (laughs) It's going to bite, and it's not going to feel good. 
You have your gloves. You're good. That is true. But (laughs) I may have to try and find a viper bow again at some point. To me, it's a cool looking snake. But again, it's another one of those that is imported a lot. And uh, they get around being wild caught because they're farm bred, which is just fucking wild caught. Uh, so it's the glove comment made me think of it. We didn't talk about this at the beginning of the podcast, but my, my youngest brother came to visit this past week and he brought his son with him who's seven. And the last night they were here, he finally got to go into uncle James's snake room and uncle James showed him everything. This kid asked better questions than like some of the teenagers that we've had at our house. He wanted to know how many species of snakes we had in our house. That was not an answer I knew off the top of my head, and I still kept getting it wrong, and I kept asking. And it was great, because when it, my brother came in, I don't know where he had been. I guess he was, like, in the shower or something, but he came in. He was like, what are y'all doing? And he was like, Uncle James has 18 species think, of snakes in his ni- house. I think it's 19, I think it's 19? I'll have yeah. to text him and tell him. But <laughs> That number kept changing as I realized what but, I had. And then he noticed that with some snakes, James would put gloves on. Other snakes, he wouldn't. So he was like, "Why are you putting gloves on?" Yeah, and, like he was very on, aware. On. And of Sean everything. Gray, if you're listening to this later, fuck you. I don't care if you make fun of my gloves. <laughs> I don't like getting bit. Everybody makes fun of him don't because like he it. wears gloves. My hands aren't covered in bite marks. Although this seven-year-old thought it was pretty smart of him to put gloves on, it's so that he didn't get bit. genius to put gloves on. <laughs> He's like, that makes a lot of sense because I have many sambos that will bite me, but and he I don't was. Feel like bit. He he was very interested in all the different textures of the different snakes and. He has Sambo is a great one for that too, because yeah. the tail is totally different than the body. Oh right? yeah. That's well, and you have yeah. several different species of sandboas, yeah. and so they all feel different, in my opinion. But yeah, because like the Russians are smooth the whole way down. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was and the kid the in- had a blast. The Indian sandboas are fucking weird. Yes, he did think those were very strange, and he but he did he had a great time, and he talked about all the different colors and. I also love gloves because the snake is completely different if it's a glove versus a hand. If I reach in there with a hand, it's going to eventually bite me. But I've reached in with gloves, and then I don't know what the fuck this is, and they don't bite it for some reason. Because they don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like it another. Smells totally different. It, yeah. yeah, it smells like a leather glove. Like it's not. It doesn't smell like a human. Plus, my sambos, they just they strike out of nowhere when you first reach into a cage. Sorry, I didn't mean to get us off on a tangent. I just we didn't we, we didn't talk about tangent. that fun part of our our week last week. That's true. Um, I was trying to see if there's anything else in the chat. I missed. Make sure I didn't miss anything. We're good. Okay. Uh. So how, do you ever go over to Europe or anything to make these connections or everything online, phone calls, or how often do you make it over? One day. <laughs> when I'm not poor. One day when I'm not poor. I definitely will. <laughs> I would love to. I've been trying to go and then COVID happened and then I couldn't again. And one day I'll go there. But basically it's just, uh, just online friendship over the years. Uh, yeah, I assume a, a really yeah. good network of breeders and all that. People you can trust because it's got to be. It's got to be tricky ordering things from across the world if you don't trust the person. Have you, do you have exactly. any? Do you have any like horror stories of like you trusted the wrong person and got something in and it was just not what you were expecting? Early in, yes, when people thought they could just you know. Is that a frog? No, no, that's her cat. It's a cat. No, you didn't see the cat earlier. It's not a cat. Oh, it's not the cat either. Oh, what is it? My quail. Oh, oh that's funny. I, I see. There was a cat earlier. I saw a cat. Yeah. I, thought was, I thought it was a frog. Frogs always have weird ass calls, and every time the one. I, I, I do have frogs too. They sound like ducks at night, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I've had that happen early in when people thought they could just screw with the international person because who cares about that person? Oh my yeah, God. never gonna see them. So. <laughs> but uh, there's been a lot of respect gained over the years, and I've learned who to deal with, who not to deal with. 
and I could get a lot of references from other people that way. Um, by my, with my own personal sales that I do on my website for other people, it's people I can vet and really trust. I wouldn't say like trust my life, but like just trust them as a good partnership to the point where I could ask them if they could help me go get an animal in a country next door to them so they can meet up with this person and keep it for the week and then organize it to this country, to that country to ultimately make it to the exporter. So I've had to organize things a few times that way that goes like from Slovakia to Czech and then another city into Czech and then all the way to Germany, just because the one seller that somebody wanted an animal from would not go to Germany for obvious reasons. That's a very far drive. Yeah. So I would ask really good friends of mine from a bordering country if they could go meet up and I've never really had issues with that. It's just getting that really, that really nice friendship with them over the years and they're happy to help. And I've found a lot of Europeans I work with, like I could trust them more than several people in North America that like I'm friendly with, like not, I wouldn't say good friends with, but friendly with, and they will do anything just to help. It's really cool. I'm a, I'm, I'm looking through your website at what you have. And I don't remember what these things are called, but I've seen them before. Those and are cool. Those green and white gecko or lizards, geckos, whatever they are. Oh, it's like, it's I like the size of your thumb. I want that. New, New Zealand green geckos. Yeah. They're cool. They're freaking awesome looking. I've seen them in pictures before. I'm like, that is a cool looking lizard. <laughs> those, was Fork stealing. Thomas, are those the Euromastics? The Euromastics? Yeah. yeah. Those are the little ones with little stumpy tails. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. cool ones too. Those are cute. Oh, look, it's an angry frilled lizard. <laughs> There's some cool stuff. All right, everybody should go check out uh, Northern Lights Reptile Imports. It's a big word. It's a lot It's a lot there. It's a mouthful. What is... Okay, I've seen this before. It's a little... I got to put it on the screen. That's what I'm going to do. So I don't just say, hey, what is this thing? And <laughs> We have the technology. We do. I've seen these before, and they're a cool lizard. What is that? Let's see it. Let's, oh, that's a Gurnia epsisolis. Yeah, well, she said that. That's cool. I like spiny I don't know. Lizards. I don't know the common name, but they're cute and they get this big and they're just the funniest things. I had a pair for a while and I, I decided to sell them for Okay, I know Pagona Viticeps. They're great. Pagona Viticeps is a, ball, is a uh, bearded dragon, right? You're about to say a ball python. And I was because it was sort of the B and it's a common <laughs> name. <laughs> I did not mean it. I was for anybody that has bearded dragons. I went down talking bearded dragons. Which I think is one of the most underappreciated pet animals that are sold in the pet trade. Or at least worst taken I- care of pet animals in the pet trade. <laughs> so there's some cool, there's a lot of cool, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of cool looking snakes and a lot of things I'm sure you like. Just, God, I don't want to get bit by a lot of them. But right here, you can see my disclaimer for people. These are wild caught. Some reside with me already, but you can get more. Sexes are not known. So you, how often do you give people like, like sex this for me? And you're like, no. Oh my God. Sorry. I'm going to turn these lights back on. It got really dark. So <laughs> unfortunately, often I'm just like, guys, read. I, I don't know until I get them. <laughs> like I want a pair. And it's just no. And then some of them, I imagine, just aren't sexable. Like they're like it's not. It's not as easy. Um, sorry, I'm just dealing with the shenanigans here. Like when someone is nice to me and not jerkish, I will get them to pair to the best of their ability. Absolutely, and especially if they're trying to add into a group of some stuff they already have. Yeah, I'm gonna totally dedicate 
them as priority because they are serious and diversifying a bloodline for a species that needs to be produced in captivity. Versus Draco subspecies. Is that the dragon snake? The flying dragons. No, flying oh, dragons. Oh, okay, okay. Not something I encourage people to get. I actually have declined a lot of sales on those. I didn't bring any in due to that, just because they're so... It comes back to like my false cobras. They have a very specified diet of ants, and if you cannot pro- uh, provide that, you're not getting them. What gecko is What this? kind of ants? Like, just regular uh, ants? I'm... Ants. Um, so that is... <laughs> Oh, I forget the name. I think it's Pachydactylus something something. Uh, you'll see it on the list. It's a cutie. I'll see it on the list. Let's see. It is. Um, oh, nope. I was wrong. Colopus Kochi. Sure. The, <laughs> the old coochie lizard. That's what it is. No, James. That's what you said. I didn't. I'm just. I'm just going Colopus Kochi. What the? Oh, that's cool. What? Okay. See, like, I didn't even know this stuff you existed go back and watch, out look, here. This is. A, I don't know. I was gonna say big-headed helmeted something. It's I don't like know. Gonocephalus dorier. That sounds like you would <laughs> take some sort of uh, antibiotic for that. <laughs> Have a doctor. It's sh- a, it's a, it's an anglehead dragon. I don't know what the common name is. Oh my god, these lights are going it's, off. This is a freaking cool lizard. Yeah, I've had a couple come in last ship, and they were amazing. They're so fun. Oh, right? there we go. What's that? It looks and like a it's like um, uh, like a legless lizard, but but not. They live in the dirt. Why? It's a dirt thingy. So it fits into my hole. It buries weird and dirt. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it's cool looking. Right. I'm to- thankful those never came in because I would be very sad. <laughs> what the. <laughs> There you go. It's a black lizard, Katie. You'll love that. Sold. One. I had see, a few of those coming. They're sweet. See, where James is all about the, the reds and the pinks and the clean, I'm like, give me something solid black. All day. I love bright colors. <laughs> I, mean, I do. Don't now, get me wrong. Now we're getting to the boring stuff that I see on a regular basis. But. <laughs> we're getting to just king snakes. So I love I love your your heading for this. Oddity oddity legged things. Legged things. Legged it gets things. people's attentions, right? <laughs> This is just weird shit with legs. Who wants some weird shit with legs? Yep. I'm, I'm anti. Exactly. I'm anti legs that eat more often. Okay. Unfortunately, I get offered a lot of lizards, but it's there it's you, pretty, they're pretty cool. There you go. Okay, look at that thing. Pull lizard. The it's got like spiky. I gel. know. It's yeah, I like lizards. Yes, yeah, first. And look at the spikes above its eyes. That's a cool lizard. Anyways, I'll stop shopping through here. <laughs> but I, I definitely suggest people go check that out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, all right. So I'm going to go through, again, this is uh, uh, Chris Eaton's least favorite part of our show where we go through the stuff that's on our uh, on our Facebook discussion group and look at it. I'll, I'll, I will pull it up on the on the page. That way Chris doesn't complain because I never pull it up on here for people to see. But there's some interesting things that came up this week. One was sent to us by a, a listener, but... Uh, so this first was Nathan Bush. This it was a turtle. Oh, I'm not, I gotta hit the extra share button. There we go. It was a turtle with a hole. Like it, this whole backside got knocked out. Like you see, it's a hole in it in its shell. Jeez. This uh, this unfortunately is is one of the problems with reptiles, especially when we go like wild caught and imports. There are certain animals that unfortunately for them are very hardy and can live through a lot of shit. And uh, and certain importers have found out which animals those are. And those are the ones they can put on a table and sell without them dying right away. 
and they can keep making cells. Um, some turtles, that's one of the reasons I, unfortunate for sulcatas. Sulcatas are unfortunately really good at not dying through horrible yeah. care. So, I've seen a few. So we're talking about turtles. So there was a post made today. So it's going to be like one of the very last things you show on here. And it was about a turtle that came through a windshield. Jesus Christ. Um, Like in, it was in Savannah, Georgia. My problem is the picture that they used is from the inside of the car. And I just, I can't help but think that it was Photoshopped because it doesn't appear that like if the turtle would have made it that far into the window based on the picture, it would have gone the whole way through. Like there was too much of the turtle on the inside of the window, not enough on the outside of the windshield. But then when you read the article, it talks about how if the windshield wouldn't have stopped the turtle, okay, it hold, would have hit on, the passenger. Where was the turtle at to hit the windshield so of I'm, the car? That I'm, I can't remember that part. So that so I'm looking right it now. out of another car. Um, Hold on. I'm looking. I mean, cause they don't fly. Well, it suddenly came through their window. As opposed to slowly because it's a turtle. The, she actually thought it was a brick um, because. Because you're not expecting a turtle to come flying through your windshield? Yeah. I mean, like, look at it. How, my, I still question how the I fuck a turtle got through. Like, Okay. So looking at this picture, maybe. But, oh, damn. But being in the windshield is not the weird part. The weird part is how did it hit the windshield? It's a turtle. Yeah. Like All I, they can figure is that it got hit by another car and then it was thrown, thrown up. Um, fucking weird. I mean, I've been, I've hit, we've hit birds with cars and bugs with cars, but they all fly. Yeah, but wow. I mean, like this. I mean, it's no little turtle. Red or slider. I mean, it's like a huge red or slider. Uh, this other post Nathan posted is this person complaining about how to keep bugs, I guess, off of their plants, and he said he couldn't stop thinking about the can't stop the outside from being outside. Yeah, which makes me think about and if Robert was here. There's been posts lately in some of our local neighborhood groups. Oh God, uh, complaining about alligators. In our ponds. In the ponds. And it's like, yeah, it's, there's apparently to them, there's too much nature in nature and they don't want all that nature in their nature. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm like, there's an alligator. Well, you know, shit, you, you live in South Texas. There's, there's alligators. That's how that works. Uh, what did Erica say? What did either of those two things have to do with imports though? I don't know what she's referencing. I apologize, Erica. We the jump turtles. Up. Oh, the turtles. <laughs> oh, we've, we've jumped from talking about imports to things that people have posted this week. Erica, have you not watched enough? We don't follow one path. We it's, don't. We just throw things at a wall and see what sticks. Uh, I'm, going, I'm trying to go through what... But my stomach is starting to grumble, so... Oh, also want to remind people of our June giveaway. I did post that. Our June giveaway Yay, is a fun pack of reptile-themed games, and all you have to do is go on there and tell us your... Uh, I'll tell you the exact question. What or where is your favorite family summer vacation or day trip? It's like I do. And then you're put in for the pack of reptile related games that we found yep the hungry turtles is my favorite it's like hungry hungry hippos but it's turtles i don't know i kind of like this 3d snakes and ladders 3d snakes and ladders is, is interesting mm -hmm. headbands is always it's also thing. in i'm pretty sure this is french at uh, sure yeah looks, i'm pretty sure that's in french frenchish where uh, on the it's on the um, side of the 3d snakes 3d and ladders serpents at echelles yeah see that's the heck are you guys looking at it's, it's over on train it's, it's on our we have it over here Oh, Again, okay. we, we jump around. Let me take. Sorry. Hold on. Let me go back to the regular screen. So we. That's, she can't see that from there. No, I know. I, I'm trying to. I'm not there we go. This. See, there it is. I'm pretty sure that's French. Oh, to be Yeah, that's definitely it. That's definitely French. But it's kind of cool. 
But isn't it supposed to be Spanish in the States, not French? Yeah, I don't know why sometimes, it's French. Sometimes, sometimes they are French though. Um, yeah, like this time. Crayola crayons, you can buy them where they're French or Spanish, depending on the box. Well, that's weird. Oh. Uh, I posted this. Is, this got posted up. It's a melanistic green iguana. We've we've had a theme of melanistic animals lately that I've gotten posted. We saw the melanistic paddlefish, the melanistic. Uh, there was another one out there, but then there's this green iguana that is melanistic, which looks kind of cool. Solid black iguana. Uh, hog nose, just being hog nose. What else? Oh, here's a stupid girl. Oh, jeez. This uh, girl picked up this garter snake, really which was not a garter stupid. snake. It's a copperhead, and she's like loving on it. And then it did what it would normally do, and it bit her. I'm like, how fucking stupid are you? Uh, to- it's not very garter snakey. It's not even close. It is extremely copperheadish looking. And, uh, I mean, and good it- intentions gone very bad. For anybody looking at the picture, here she is. <laughs> Just cuddled up with this copperhead, uh, and she got bit. And her mama obviously never taught her don't pick up things in the wild. Uh, mom, you stopped it, didn't teach her. But so that that was this week. Thank you, posted. Um, oh, we got to talk to our buddy Max because he's been over in Africa with the Asclepius Snake Bite, Snake Bite Foundation and got some amazing pictures of uh, black mamba. He was got one I saw him the other night. He's holding a uh, Western, my, one of my favorite venomous snakes, the Western uh, Green Mamba. Uh, with the gigantic scales. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Erica McVeigh, who's in the chat, uh, just taking over our Facebook thing and posting questions. I'm just kidding, Erica. You can post all the questions you want. <laughs> uh, she said, do you folks speak other la- another language? Have you found it helpful in the reptile dealings? Have you read papers, books, converse with prose and languages other than English? I imagine Ashley speaking anything non-English probably helps in certain situations. Well, when you read on the the comments, one of them was saying that a lot of their stuff is in German. A lot and of then, the lizard bo- monitor Yeah. Books. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, uh, yeah, no. No? <laughs> there you go, Erica. That is the answer. Ashley no. I, no. I just create my own dictionary with all the different languages I deal with. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, there's your Sorry. story with the turtle. Oh, one I did share to our Facebook page. So I had to listen. I got to pull up his name because he sent this to me. And it's a video that I shared on our main Facebook page because it was hilarious. Yeah, it's not on the discussion page. No, and it's also on our on our Instagram. But I want to get his name. It's uh, Bryson Halford. Talk into the mic, James. Bryson Halford. There my bad. Uh, he posted a picture. He asked his like his Google Dot or whatever to play the Reptile Gumbo <laughs> podcast. And it, it wouldn't. It said it's not, it's not safe for children. And, and that and that and his account was not set up set up so for voice play. activation. We are we are not child friendly account. apparently, and uh, yeah, which makes me realize that his kids use that Google Dot, which is why it would not play our podcast. Which made me feel a little bit better that kids don't hear us cussing all the time. I'm not gonna lie; it made me feel a little better. Look, if a, if a parent lets their kid listen to us, that's that's definitely on the parent, not on me. God, uh, well, Eric and Vasey, can we get a petition to get Ashley on Morph Market account, please? Is it because you're Canadian? Is Morph Market only American? Because oh she's a dirty importer and they don't do dirty yeah. importers. Only. Oh, I see. I don't know. That's why. I figured there it's, was a joke there that I didn't understand. And- it's an unfortunate situation. I'm pretty sure I'm very hated despite having a phone call. So, understandably, Morph Market terms of service that you have to have the animal in hand. I get that. I don't work that way, but I deal with very trusted sources I've been dealing with for five, six years. And you know what? If the animal doesn't come in, the customer gets refunded. 
I love Erica. Free the importer. You know? And I almost always get what comes in. I can provide countless references of well-known people across the globe in the community. But I just, I'm not allowed a Morph Market account. And I've tried. And I get ignored. I try again. And I get ignored. And I'm like, please. In the comments. Like, just... So, Please. <laughs> speaking of Morph Market, tomorrow on our buddy Sean Gray's podcast, he's having Darian on. So if anybody watches that, feel free to mention that uh, they should allow Ashley on Morph Market. Go on there and just flood <laughs> like, their podcast saying Ashley should be allowed on Morph Market. There you go. Like, I, I had a wonderful phone call with him, but it was all about wild caught stuff. And it's like, I don't do wild caught, though. I, it's... You don't, you don't want to have to get that little label that everybody threw a fucking fit over? I mean, like, I do wild caught, but I don't have to post it on there. I could do legit, real snakes that exist, so, not made up shit. So I'm really glad that we had you on because I'm, I, I mean, there may or may not be anybody else out there that thinks the same way I do, but I never even thought about imported stuff being captive bred. Yeah, like, I automatically countries. just assumed, oh. I mean, no, keep there in mind. There are other countries in the world other than the USA. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, I know patriotism. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like, like I, I know. Like I'm very familiar with importing. Well, like higher end crusty geckos get yeah. shipped over to like yeah. Asia all the time. Like I guess I just never thought about if it's captive bred that it's still considered an import. Like I don't know oh, why. I just always assumed that. If it was imported, it was because it was wild caught and sent yeah. over to the United it's, States. It's a very common misunderstanding because everything imported from an importer's table or Indonesian stuff. That's the classic, yeah. whatever you want of the word. I don't know the word right now, but a lot of it is captive, born and bred. And I think that's all. Awesome. Well, now it is. But it's they're still being imported from one country, right? Because it's from one day. country to another, and that, that makes yes. complete. Again, I'm married into this, and so I'm the one on the podcast that's like, "Oh, the general public doesn't know this. Let's clarify that for them." Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's my job on this podcast. And so. that's that's awesome, though. And but unfortunately, no matter how many times I scream and yell and stomp my feet saying no, captive bread is still imported. People still look at me as a primary wildfire importer. Oh, yeah. It's not the case. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sometimes a lot of it could be long-term captive, but at that point, it's no different than a captive bred. Exactly. Now, yeah. Now, I'm not saying most of my stuff is long-term captive. It's just, it's I lump that kind of in the captive bred, captive born section just because they have been treated. They act no different than a captive born or bred. They are extremely healthy animals. Right. I think that's really cool though. But it's, it's like, but but like I said, I'm sure that that we have, I mean, we have some listeners that listen to this that are like me and they're not really reptile people. They're just involved in the hobby because of their spouse or a loved one. Um, so I, it was, it was very interesting for me to learn that. One thing I I wanted to bring up about what is your quarantine process? I I definitely assume your quarantine process is different from when you, when you get wild caught stuff in versus when you get captive bred. So I have an import room. Now, it's how that works depends on what comes in. So everything gets completely sterilized twice over before I have any import in. Um, I use peroxide and disinfectant. So the peroxide is to help kill any potential pathogens. Like, for example, the only way you could potentially kill cryptosporidium is through peroxide. Basic disinfectant will not kill crypto. Gotcha. Now, I'm not saying I, I expect that kind of issue, but just as a precaution, 
I always, always, always do peroxide first and foremost. Um, and then after I was just general disinfecting and then I get all the enclosures ready, so on and so forth. So when I have a big, large shipment come in, they do all go within the same vicinity, I guess, like within the import room. Plus some enclosures on the outskirts for the extra sensitive stuff that need to be out of the import room for either temperature or plants or whatever. But past that, everyone gets looked over very carefully for any sort of external parasites like mites, because mites are very much a common captive bred issue as well. It's not just a wild caught problem, right? Do you find them more on captive bred stuff than wild caught stuff? Because I always hear people say they find very few find mites on wild caught yeah. stuff. Uh, my experience, it's always more like I've seen them in the odd wild caught, like super fresh wild caught, but I have found them quite, I don't want to say frequently because it's very infrequent, but out of the mite situations, more often has been with captive bread. Yeah. Um, or I would assume, uh, anything wild caught and then held at a facility for a while around, which is basically. That's where the mite issue comes from, from, yeah. from wild caught stuff. So fresh, like super fresh wild caught, it's a very minimal problem. Actually, most diseases and parasites are a very minimal problem when it comes to super fresh wild caught because they're not confined with hundreds of others potentially, and right? Because those things die in the wild and they don't, like, usually if they get sick or something yeah. in the wild, they're dying and yep. we're catching the healthier ones because they're not exactly. dying. Exactly. Exactly. And they're not confined with a bunch of other ones and passing disease. And so that that's actually a funny topic with that one. But uh, yeah, so with mites, like, everyone gets checked over very thoroughly. If I catch anything with a mite, they get treated immediately. And anything that like, they go away from everybody else just to make sure. And I deal with it. I've never had them spread to other animals. So that's good. And I, I, I don't get them often, like from, from shipments. And it's dealt with promptly when I do. I was going to uh, say, I'm sure that your, your process is just as thorough as your vetting process it seems like it takes me over 24 hours on average to go through an entire shipment because i go through every single animal so thoroughly just for for that reason like if there's a problem i want to make sure the seller uh, sorry the seller and the buyer know immediately like hey this animal looks like it has an ri or hey this one has mites just so you know i'm going to deal with it promptly but you need to know this advance like this is yeah. what happens well and the, so the it, fact that you're dealing with it so promptly it also gives them an opportunity to understand hey you're not going to get this animal as quick as you thought because we're dealing with yeah. this issue now exactly so like i don't like to jab people but Oh, not all, but a lot of importers don't give a shit. And they just, oh, it has mites. Oh, well, that's part of the import game. Yeah. It should not be at all. At all. Like, period. It should not be. They should be treated equally to any other animal that's captive bred, wild caught, whatever. They should not be treated like trash at all. So everyone always, always gets looked over to make sure they're healthy and dealt with as per case if there is an issue. But it's not very, again, it's not very often, but on that off chance, people can be rest assured. Do you find with uh, with importing, so I have found, especially doing a lot of shows, uh, the reptile hobby is, is a copycat thing, right? If something is yeah. working, people want to go, I can do that and they'll do it. Do you find a lot of people see you doing importing and going, I can do that, and then they probably burn out fast, they don't work well? I mean, does that happen quite a bit for you? I've... 
Yes, I've had two people attempt to do that because out of spite, and I was doing it. Canada is very, it, it happens in the States, but there's a lot of spiteful people here. My most interesting situation wasn't so much in terms of importing with them trying to, like they did for a little bit, but how that one unfolded was I was selling animals this guy was breeding. And he was so upset the fact I was selling these snakes that he was also producing that I was on I was intruding on his turf hmm. in Canada. They're Florida king snakes. <laughs> Just oh, that's- for an idea. It's such a rare snake. Right. And he was so upset with this. And I got, he, he called Environment Canada on me, which is basically the fish and wildlife equivalent in Canada. Who I'm sure, I'm sure you are in contact with them on a regular basis because of what you do. Yeah. Well, I I, I am within some reason. Like they, I don't, I'm not in contact on the regular because they don't do inspection every shipment like they do in the States. Gotcha. But uh, he called them saying I was a smuggler. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't know this until my biggest shipment I've ever had got stopped at customs for a thorough inspection. It took them 12 hours to do the inspection. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And I knew exactly who it was right away because I heard rumblings. This was going to happen. From other people and screenshots and whatever, you know, Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is great. And there was some super sensitive stuff in there that had to come out of the box immediately. And I was just like, oh my God. But thankfully everything went good. I wasn't a smuggler. Shocker. (laughs) And then he started doing his own imports and all of a sudden he poofed. Yeah. Well, they realized it's work. Like there's actual work that goes into it. Yep. And that you already have a system set up. But you see that with a lot of things. We go, oh, someone else is doing that. I can do it. And they don't realize all the work that takes to go into doing that thing. It's those days where I wish I had a nine to five job. Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) I can imagine. There there really is. And like, it's, yeah, it's nice being my own boss within reason. But for what I have to do, like, I don't, I just make enough to get by. I do this more for, obviously I need money to live, but I do this for the people, for the animals to make sure they're healthy. I'm not going to be that person that, does, that doesn't give a fuck and wants the dollar. So there's so much more added work I put into it for what well, most people would say, oh, it's for no reason, but there's every reason behind it. And it's just, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. I love making people happy. I love seeing these animals go into the hobby that really need to be captive bred in the hobby or diversified, whatever it may be. And that's why I don't bring in common species because there's some animals that just really need that captive breeding out there. And that gives me a lot of extra work to do. And people don't realize how much extra work and organization you need. So on a big inspection, like the one you had where it was 12 hours, are you involved in any of that? Or are they, I mean, are they taking animals out and looking at animals and putting hands on animals or. So thankfully they don't physically touch the animals. They look at them, they look at the invoice provided, and they actually match species to animals, which I was mind blown. I did have one DOA in that shipment. It was a very tiny felsuma, like a day gecko of sorts. Yeah. And it was, you know, when a gecko gets upset, they discolor, and especially when they pass away, they look extra funny. And I couldn't even ID, and they managed to ID it. I was like, how did you... I didn't even know what it was, 
<laughs> so, but it was a correct ID, and they're surprisingly really well versed up here. What do they do when, it comes when they're to the reptiles? That's you really a, awesome. You have like a snake in a snake bag, and they can't see it. Are they just taking words on that? What's in there based on what's labeled, or? That's a good question. I'm assuming so because on the off chance, what if it's not? Actually, yeah. I've been involved in one Environment Canada inspection before. It was for venomous species. Uh, they didn't have anyone to help them because they didn't have the training, but they had all the equipment. So I was there. It was an Indonesian import, and we had to verify all the cobras that came in because they were CITES animals. So it did take them all out of the bags just to make sure they were the right species listed. Yeah. So, in my case, being I, I don't really deal venomous like that, I think they just went off what was on the bag. Like, okay, this is on there, this is on there. They're this like, is we on don't want to get bit today. We're good. <laughs> yeah, because I deal with king rat snakes and stuff. They're just, yeah, well, just they're pretty terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> fast moving big snakes, and even like some of the bow yeah. fast moving, hot, yep. slightly venomous snakes too. Like they're not. Yeah, so they just they might be able to see through the bag a little bit. Who knows? But they like the only thing they actually physically touched. It was the bane of my existence. I'm sorry, isopod people, but I stopped bringing isopods after this because I got a lot of flack and hell from the buyers over this. It wasn't my fault, but so isopods get packed in like wafts of moss because they need it, right? The humidity and everything. So they would pick up the moss to look in it to make sure that there's no drugs or anything hiding inside the moss. So I guess when they did that... They introduce you know, a species to the wild. Yeah. So, and all of a sudden, it's my fault that oh, people are missing no. isopods. And it's like, no, here's a note from Environment Canada. They did an inspection. I have zero part in this, guys. I'm so sorry, but that's one of those few times I will not refund your animals <laughs> when you are the one that sourced them. I did not even sell them to you. I have no part in this. I'm sorry. It's an inspection wow. done. Yeah, you're talking about like it's, a twenty-five or fifty dollars ice pod. Uh, yeah. yeah, and there's this one where they were short. They're free isopods, and I had to. They just, they try to get me to pay for them, <laughs> and it's like they were extras. They were like, I'll pay exactly what you paid. Here you go. Yeah, like you got the count that you wanted. I'm sorry. Like I actually got a box. Oh, I forgot about this. But I got a box. Like I just said, it was a cookie container put into my box from Environment Canada. Tape around it, and it said, um, "Found isopods." It was just a mixture of different species. They threw random sticks in. I guess the ones that fell on the floor. <laughs> just you figure them out. Here they go. It's your job now. That makes my head yep. hurt. Makes box of isopods. Yeah, like, obviously it wasn't all of them, but that's, that was my proof right there of oh. Okay, then this is what happened. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, and that was the worst situation I think I've ever dealt with. And then one last <laughs> thing I'm wondering how, yeah. how have you found it being a female running your own business in the reptile hobby? Because it's not, <laughs> it's not always been a, a female friendly hobby, especially if you're running your own business. So, on top of running my own business, on top of being very much into the weird, obscure stuff and being a Latin name person. And people definitely don't take me seriously. Um, I mean, it's, it's changing slowly, but I am a girl. I don't know anything. <laughs> well, That's, of course I you feel don't. your pain. You don't have a Y chromosome. What the hell do you know about snakes? 
So pain. it is a pretty common thing where I get mansplained a lot in the hobby, and it's just like, buddy, you have no idea what you're even talking about. I've read the like mangrove snakes. I used to breed them a lot, and ever when I was. Oh God, I don't know. I was 20 years years old and I bred them for seven years consecutively. And when I try and help people that they're like, Oh, you don't know this. That's not how it goes. And I was like, yeah, it is actually. So, but Do you ever walk sure. up to a, a table at a show of a reseller who got imports from maybe somebody else or whatever, and they don't know you that well. And then you ask them about animals on the table, things that you have experience with or have imported. And they want to tell you like the wrong information about them. Yeah. So I was looking at someone's, like there's some lizards on a table at Tinley. <laughs> Erica. <laughs> Erica said, can your ovaries be hot and no reptiles? No, of <laughs> course not, Erica. Silly right? Girl. It was a Tinley uh, table. I was looking at some pretty uncommon species, and they were, they were pretty good looking for what they were. I'm like, oh, wow. And they're like, oh, that one's gravid, that one's gravid, and she's probably gravid. You could make some money off of it. I was just, I looked, I'm like, that's a male. <laughs> well, that's why you can make a lot of money. It's a gravid male. You can try. But you know, and say like, no, it's gravid. It's like okay, buddy. I mean, yeah. if you if you've got a gravid male, that's worth a lot of money. Yeah, you can sell it for a ton. <laughs> I just I mean, there's yeah. I just, might I, might I have some science experiments run on him. I don't know that it would be for the best. Like I said, I just you you work in such oddball species, and I know how these tables are at shows, and these are uh, these these large resale tables. And a lot yeah. of them don't know jack shit about what's on their table because they got that shipment in and they have these animals that they've never had to care for through a lifetime, through a you know, lifetime yeah. of an animal. So they don't actually know the care of the animal. They know that if it goes home with them after the show, it's going to stay in the deli cup or go it's, into a basic tank. It, and Exactly. Till the next show, it's just going to stay there and then yeah. keep going and going. I do so much research into a species if I'm unfamiliar with them. Like if I know what they are, but I'm unfamiliar with them, I give myself a good few hours and read into it to make sure – Hey, when it's here, and we're going to have the enclosure set up already for it and deal with it that way. Yeah, because unfortunately, import animals at a show tend to be those uh, those impulse buy animals because at a lot of shows, they Cheap all the cheaper, yeah, they're the cheaper stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're, a lot of them are not good impulse buy animals. Yeah. But they do look cool because it is some of the oddball stuff, and it's not the same ball python you've seen on 50 other tables at this show. Exactly. And, and like, it's 50 bucks. It's not $1,000 sold. So. Exactly. That's one of the weird ways I got into machete snakes was through a Tinley show. I was like, oh, that's an odd little critter. Like, I knew what it was. I never thought I'd see one. I was like, I'll give it a go. And I figured I better take it before anyone, someone else that has no idea what the hell they eat takes it. So, and then I got stuck and hooked on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've gone over two hours. We have. Uh, we talked about a lot of important. We did. This was an awesome episode. <laughs> I learned a lot. And I, I, my, I'm lazy. The only reason I don't do imports is I know that I'm not going to put the time into uh, dealing with like getting it to eat or getting rid of parasites. Like I know that in myself. But captive bread. Oh, that is true. Yes, I don't. All you do is pay and wait. So I'm just gonna. Yeah, he doesn't wait very well at all. <laughs> I, need, I need to get some of those captive bread Madagascan tree boas is what I need. Hmm. But uh. That, that's down the line once I have money. <laughs> yeah. And I can find them. Let me know when that works out for a two teacher household. Yeah. All that money. Yeah, that's not okay. I'm going to let you go. One more. How often do people think that you're rich because you have your own business? Ugh. <laughs> a lot. And it's very opposite. And you know what? Ironically, a lot of importers 
they got some good money and they take a lot of vacations. I'm just like, how? <laughs> because you're they're obviously you're, not charging you're enough. You're not importing the cheap stuff and then selling it for more. That's your problem. You. Yeah, all that like it's nearly at cost. I'm only paying for. I mean, I'm only profiting off like the service fees, like the import fees, which is like a hundred dollars. What you need animal. to do is get the giant boxes of shit out of Indonesia <laughs> that's cheap, yep. and then sell it real quick at a show, and then you make lots of money. Those animals yep. die, oh uh, and you're fine. Oh my god! And then you take yeah, a vacation. Much. You're gonna make my eye twitch. Pretty much, <laughs> but I I am definitely a paycheck to paycheck person. No, that feeling. Yeah. It is, Whatever. I mean, we all do it. We're like not all of us, but a good chunk of us are in that position, which is pretty much normal this day and age. It's definitely not a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. Yes. All right. So if people want to reach out to you and see what you have and talk to you about imports, where can they find you? So I have my Facebook page, Northern Lights Reptile Imports. Please, God, don't message me on there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You might get it might take a few weeks to get an answer back. My main Facebook profile is the best way to contact me. Um, I don't accept random friend requests unless I'm feeling like I'm in a good mood. But still message me. It's okay. I'll, I'll answer you. Uh, but past that, my email, it's it's on my website, northernlightsreptileimports at gmail.com. But all of my lists and stuff I post up and all the service fees, they're on my website. So it's all there. All the information you need is there. That's awesome. awesome. Check out the Herp shows on their mm-hmm. website. Uh, again, if you order a VivTech LED UVB bulb, use code GUMBO22 to save 15%. See, Erica, I'm, I'm trying to sell those bulbs. Just. And then if you need to talk to Robert for any reason, ellisreptilerex.com. Yes, he is. He was hard at work. He will be he back. He really was. I'd say he'll be back next week. We're not going to be back next week because next we week won't. we are putting out uh, interviews from the Conroe show, hopefully. Yep. This time next week, I will be probably dead on my dead. feet somewhere. I hope you're not dead. No, but I You'll will be in New York. I will be in New York and at that point we'll have been awake for close to fifteen hours. Uh, so. anybody that comes by the Conroe <laughs> show, come by and say hey to us. We will be set up in the front lobby doing interviews. Uh we'll try and get some really cool interviews for y'all and we'll have those out next Tuesday. Uh and then we'll see y'all live a week after that. Yep. Uh <laughs> Ashley, if you'll hang around, thank you for coming on. Uh no everybody problem. else. Thank y'all for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to everybody later. Night. Good die. Awesome.